Damn it. <laughs> oh, now we're live. Nice. I have no idea. Oh, cool. This is, not <laughs> this is going well. Have fun, everybody. This is great. We're great. Everybody enjoy your life. It is Wednesday, my dudes. This is how I win. This is no democracy. It is a dictatorship. Hate, 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 hate. Double hate. Load entirely. You're out of order. Everything that guy just says bullshit. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to your list sucks. I'm not supposed to be here tonight. Um, but uh, this is Scotch, uh, Scott's night, talking about endings. It could be the ending of the show. I'm not 100%. I haven't even seen these lists fully, so who knows what's going to happen. Um, but uh, it's going to be fun. Before I pass it off to Scott, next uh, week um, we are doing a sports draft um, but not like traditional. It's sports movies. I'm trying to find me and Kirk's messages because, gosh, I have no idea where anything is. Um, it's going to be a player, a team, a coach, a sports moment, and an opponent or, like, enemy of the thing. So if you're interested, please submit your list. Um, no, other than that. No submit your list for the draft. Oh, don't send me anything. I'm not <laughs> supposed to be here. Um, uh, enjoy ending. Uh, ruin everything, and if you're watching this, they're going to spoil the endings of the movies, so don't be surprised. Yes, I was going to give uh, the warning that obviously we're not going to talk around the ending of the movie, so if something comes up and, you know, you don't want to be spoiled on it, uh, just turn your volume down for a second and then come back. I'll do a little, like, a hook em, uh Only time I'll do a, a Texas uh, gesture, <laughs> but... Um, I'll do that when it's safe to turn your volume back up. Maybe we'll we'll see if we can stick with that. But hello, everyone. Welcome. Um, you may be wondering how I got to host the show. Um, I think I made a pretty convincing argument to Cody that um, I made it through two top 100s, including uh, the first one having the longest, I, I believe, the longest ever YLS episode. Uh, I think that finale was the longest one ever. So um yeah i think i think i earned it but uh i guess we'll find out tonight as cody said the topic is endings uh been wanting to see this one on wireless for a while obviously opening scenes has been done overall scenes has been done uh but not endings when i was making my top 100 scenes list i was you know um, recognizing how many endings actually made the list so looking forward to uh to dis the discussion tonight um first up we'll say hello to everyone we have mr joseph olivas joseph how's it going decent i like to talk about a lot of movies and these endings i have a lot of thoughts on and i'm looking forward to talking about them okay um the only other person here who i believe was also part of that uh longest episode of yls ever uh kirk are we going to keep it under five and a half hours tonight <laughs> i hope so um 
No, but this is a good topic. I'm excited to have some movies ruined for me, ruined some movies for some people. Uh, but no, I was, when I made my list, I was kind of inspired by Coho a couple weeks ago. I haven't necessarily retired some movies, um, but, you know, using the, the multiplex language, they're on a break. They're taking a break because there are a lot of like meeting endings that I, I've talked about a lot for movies I love. And I also tried to avoid like the like standard, like real, like I, super iconic endings that you think of when you think about endings of movies. So for one of the few times I didn't make a list necessary to win or have the best objective list, just movies and endings I'm going to talk about. And I also yeah, hope I Aaron doesn't ruin the ending of Oz for me. Yeah, I did wonder about that after seeing your list. I kind of figured that that might be the case based on some of the omissions there. But um, yeah, looking forward to to your list tonight. Um, and we have Mr. Aaron Jay here. Aaron, how's it going? You're in an unfamiliar location. For you. Yeah, I'm in my extra bedroom. Uh, left my laptop that I usually stream from on my couch. So no dope poster behind me. No Harold and Maude. No fantastic Mr. Fox. I'm lost. None of those are on my list either. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I mixed in a little bit of the basic. I mixed in a little bit of me on the list. Um, I never try to win, but I've won once, you know, so I mean, I'm pretty good at this. And the other time I lost to a to a bribery from Coho. So I can't really control $500. I came in just under at 499. So um, yeah, I'm excited. I don't think I'm really gonna spoil these movies because as you know, Scott, you've been on a podcast. I've been on your podcast before. Uh, it was a great time. Uh, I've invited myself back a few times too, but you know, it's all good. Um, but I'm not really good at like spoiling movies with the plot. I'm more about the feels, right? The five star feels, if you will. Oh, yeah. So uh, I tried to keep those vibes uh, throughout this. I know Paul loves my five star feels as well. He's in the chat. So get ready for all the feels uh, tonight. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. I also have to comment. I think Aaron and I are predicting the Elite Eight matchup for uh, Saturday. Yeah, so not the football, but yes, go green. <laughs> um, Jack, uh, Jack Pinchuk is here as well. Uh, how's it going? Oh, going great. Uh, it's been a been been a bit of a long day, but I'm just excited to be here. Uh, not as tired as I usually am, so that's always a plus. That is definitely a plus. We will try to. Uh, do this expeditiously so that remains the case um all right if you've never seen the show just real quick everyone brought their top 10 list top 10 endings best endings tonight we'll go through 10 through eights first then each person will go through their seven through four one at a time and then lastly we'll do uh popcorn style for the three two and one so joseph why don't you kick us off with your 10 through eight so quick disclaimer Kind of like what Kirk was mentioning, there's a lot of iconic endings and also a lot of movie endings I just wanted to talk about. So I made a mix of that for this list, and this is just one version of that list. If you ask me to make this list next week, it could probably change a lot as well. So uh, yeah, there's a ton of movies that I wanted to talk about. I can only limit it to 10. That was difficult, but overall... Pretty cool with this list. My number 10 is my number 10. That is 1994's The Lion King. My number nine is Train to Busan. And my eight is There Will Be Blood. So number 10, The Lion King. I will fully admit this is 100% a personal pick, but as a small child, watching and listening, Hans, listening to Hans Zimmer's finale music and watching the images on the in the rain and the ascension of Pride Rock made me realize as a small child, movies and animation could be epic. 
still gives me chills as an adult. Number nine, Train to Busan. If you told me that I would find a zombie movie that would make me cry, I would not have believed you. But I found it. This movie. It is way more emotionally involving than it has any right to be because I cared about these characters and what happened to them, and I get so panicky and tense as the ending happens, but it delivers such an emotional wallop of an ending that I did not ever anticipate ever seeing in this particular genre. I love it a lot. And then for number eight, There Will Be Blood. Uh, this is an ending that I was spoiled beforehand, but I still checked it out, and I was still floored by Paul Dano and Daniel Day-Lewis's performances, their characters' war throughout the movie and escalating their confrontations and their conflicts, and the ending is just... It, it all comes to a head and a peak with the ending, and it is such an explosive final confrontation with how Daniel is just talking down and humiliating Eli. It shakes me and grabs me and never lets me go until the credits start rolling. It's an amazing ending. All right, uh, your number 10, The Lion King. Yeah, great choice. Um, it's a nice sort of bookend to the opening scene, obviously. You know, the, it's the circle of life. We open the movie with the circle of life. We have the young Simba being lifted up. And then, you know, the end of the film, we circle back around. We have, you know, Simba is now, you know, the king and um, his, his child is being lifted up. So um, beautiful ending. Um, again, the music, you know, adds adds that extra layer of, of feels to it. So um, I definitely respect that choice, especially at 10. Train to Busan. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch this. I did watch movies for everyone's list, but obviously I prioritized stuff that was higher up. I've been wanting to watch this for a while. A lot of people talk about it. Um, I just uh, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But um, again, I did watch movies for everyone's list, so we'll get there. And then number eight uh, was There Will Be Blood. Yeah, fully expected this to come up tonight. A little surprised it's not a yikes, but, you know, again, there's a ton of great endings, and we're going to talk about some tonight. But, um, yeah, this definitely belongs in the camp. I mean, not, not a feel-good ending for sure. Um, you know, extremely dark. Definitely like a WTF the first time you see it. Like, what did I just watch um but yeah you know the milkshake quote is iconic and i mean i think daniel day lewis is my number one performance of all time in this movie and i would also put paul dano in my top 100 of all time for this movie like i think it's two of the greatest performances ever and uh yeah seeing after two and a half hours this whole thing come to a head um and you know you've kind of suspected that it might reach a violent end um the way the movie has been building but you know, just the way that it does is just, it's so shocking and, and gruesome and just like intimate the way it's just the two of them there. So um, yeah, really, uh, you know, dark haunting, but very memorable and deserves to be talked about um, on this list for sure. So good pick. All right, we're moving right along to Kirk. Kirk, you're 10 through eight. Okay, let's get started. My number 10 is Les Miserables 2012. My number nine is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. And my number eight is The Killing. Okay. Uh, Les Mis, say what you want about Hugh Jackman singing. Say what you want about the, the acting, whatever. Uh, the music and the story from this uh, play or movie or whatever just does it for me. I've been brought to tears watching high schoolers do this for their, you know, for their student play. So I, uh, I'm not in any way, you know, picky about 
who's performing this. The, the, just the story and the music itself gets me. Um, and it's one of the all-time, whether it's stage or movie, one of the all-time great endings, just a beautiful, you know, final scene for Jean Valjean and him, you know, finally coming to the end of his journey and his, you know, the mission he had for his life. And the reason I went with the, um, the reason I went with the movie specifically is because the movie fixed the one, fixes the one thing I think the stage play does wrong. And it really takes me out every time. It's a, Jean Valjean is dying and Fantine comes out, you know, her spirit comes out and is there with him as he's dying. And then Eponine shows up. And it makes sense for us because now this is our three main characters who have died throughout this play, reunited. And um, But in the story, it makes no sense because Jean Valjean met Eponine once in passing and they really don't know each other, so there's no reason for her to be there ushering him to the afterlife. In the movie, it's he's with Fontaine at first. She kind of moves him on, and he goes into this There's his image of this church with all these candles, and it's the priest from the beginning of the movie uh, that he meets, which makes so much more sense because that is the person who sent Jean Valjean on his mission, who, who set his path, set his course in life. And now it's like, okay, you've you've finished, you've done a good job, and they kind of give each other that look, and then he ushers him over to the other side. So I think that's just such a perfect ending uh, to this story, and like I said, I think it's one one of the few things that the the movie was on the play. Uh, My number nine is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think this is one of the greatest uh, horror movie endings ever. I think the whole movie kind of, it it carries what the whole movie does, just that like, just that like ultra-realism and that kind of like documentary feel like you're watching something that's actually happening um you know it's the the survivor um i can't remember the actress's name um she's she's running away from the house uh one of the killers is after he's like literally, literally stabbing her in the back and she's running away and uh they run the road he gets hit by a truck leatherface comes out is after her um and you know through you know another the truck driver comes out and he runs away and knocks him over and uh now his uh, leatherface's leg is cut so he's limping and um then a pickup truck comes by and she gets away and just by the skin of her teeth and watching this movie for the first time, just based on the tone and everything else happened, I didn't think she had a chance. I thought she was dead. There's, there's no way she was getting away from him. And she just barely does. And the thing I love about the way this is shot is as she's running, they're out in the, the road, you know, just, she's trying to get away. How close Leatherface is to her the entire time. And it's not one of those like cheesy horror movie things where it's like he's like purposely walking slow just to make it look like it's dramatic. Like he's there, like right on top of her, and he can get her at any time. And she gets away, and she's screaming, just in her, losing her mind, going nuts. And I think a lot of people can look at that performance and say, "Oh, it's way too over the top." But I think it's so realistic for everything she's experienced. And her that final shot of her like sitting in that truck, like laughing uncontrollably, and then you have the sunrise, and you know Leatherface freaking out and you know spinning around um, is just such a great movie. The fact that he's not beaten, like the the, the horror movie, the, the horror villain, the monsters are killed. Uh, he's not defeated. She just gets away. He's still there. And I think that's such a it's such a chilling ending and such a perfect way to wrap up that movie. Uh, my number eight is The Killing. Um, this is a uh, one of Stanley Kubrick's early movies. Uh, it's a high school. Ending. <laughs> and that might have been the ending of uh, of Kirk's. Uh, we'll see if he comes back in a second. If not, I can describe the ending of The Killing, but. Um... So anyway, The Killing, as I believe Kirk was going to say, it's a heist gone wrong movie. Um, you know, the the majority of the movie is the planning of this robbery of a racetrack. And then um, at the end of the film, they're uh, 
led to a, a series of events that um, where many of the people involved in the heist end up dying and Sterling Hayden's character gets away with the money. He goes to the airport. Um, he's going to uh, leave. He's going to flee the country with his girlfriend. Um, and um, what ends up happening is um, he comes into the airport again. He, first, he tries to to bring his luggage, check his luggage, and they want to open the bag, um, which he can't because it has all the stolen money in there. Eventually, he convinces them to, to, you know, not check the bag. And as they're rolling the suitcase out there, it flies open. Um, the money or the a dog, a woman's dog jumps out of her arms, uh, you know, runs up to the suitcase, flies open, the money all flies out. And then, um, you know, it's blown away by the wind. And then Sterling Hayden just decides to leave the airport and um, he gets arrested there at the end of the movie. So um, anyway, we'll go back through Kirk's list because he did talk about the others and then we can uh, move on from him and push him to the end of the line or whatever. But number 10 um, that Kirk had was. Um, remind me again, it was Les Mis. Um, you know what? Let's just move on to Aaron because then we can talk about him when Kirk comes back. But um, all right, let's move on, Aaron. You can do your 10 through 8 and then we'll come back to Kirk. All right. No problem. Uh, for my number 10, uh, you know, it couldn't be a list complete without the great Adam Sandler. And I had so many choices. I went with Wedding Singer for my number 10. Uh, recently watched that. would put it up to my nine now, but that doesn't matter. Nine, Saw. Um, and number eight, Girl Shy. Yeah, the classic from 1928 or 27 or something like that. Um, all right. Wedding Singer. I uh, just rewatched this this past weekend on my anniversary with my fiance throwing up. Yeah, I get it. It's gross. All of that. Uh, Not I to used brag. To, yeah, yeah. It is, it is to brag. Sure. Whatever it is at this point. <laughs> I am a hopeless romantic. Uh, always have been. I'm happy for you. Um, yeah. And I root for everybody else out there uh, who is looking for their person. I hope you can find your person because this ending is, you know, kind of saccharine when maybe you don't have uh, this type of thing but when you when you start to feel you do it's a much more enjoyable thing to go back and watch kind of like some movies that hit it too close to home and you watch them later on when you're a little less sensitive to the subject matter but anyways uh robbie hart played by adam sandler with a fantastic 80s mullet uh he's in love with a girl classic story she's getting married to the wrong guy they're going off to vegas uh he gets a first class ticket to vegas uh, and in first class is a bunch of people who want to hear the story of this guy falling in love with this girl who's getting married to the wrong guy after he got left at the altar. Billy Idol's there. Uh, Billy Idol gets caught up in the story. Uh, drunk Billy Idol at that. And they're like, we have to do something. Uh, and then all of a sudden, this stewardess comes from coach. He's in first class, which movie first class uh, airplane, always very, very fun. This is like a very nice first class where like, Everybody gets their own like recliner type of seats. And, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. He gets the hot towel and he puts it in, you know. But uh, anyways, a bunch of details for number 10 you don't need. Uh, they just, he's been writing a song uh, for uh, the main character, uh, Julia, who's going to be Julia Gulia soon. So, I mean, what a, what a shame. And fuck Glenn. We all know who we've seen the movie. Uh, it's called Grow Old, which... Uh, is a reference to a discussion they have early in the movie where they're like, how do you know when you've met the person you want to fall in love with or you fall in love with? And it's like, I don't know. You see them, see growing old with them. It's a very sweet song. Go listen to it. Uh, you know, 
he ends up seeing that Glenn is in coach with Julia on the same flight. Somehow they didn't know they're on the same flight. Who cares? It's movie magic. Um, and Billy Idol's like, we have to do something about this. Over the intercom, he starts to talk. Julia hears him. Out comes Robbie with Billy Idol's guitar, so covering that plot hole, and plays Grow Old With You through the aisle as Glenn comes out to stop him, gets hit back into the lavatories and put into the toilet, and Julia and Robbie fall in love. They move on, and it's a happily ever after. It's a perfect little rom-com story, but that song alone uh, puts it towards the top, towards my top 10. Uh, I did watch this past weekend. I did embarrassingly cry to this. I've seen this movie probably a hundred times too. It's a little different when you see it with that person. So I suggest that. Um, number nine, no more bragging. Let's move on to Saw, another <laughs> lovely movie. Um, you know, what can I say? This was a transformative theater experience for me. I was skipping high school at the time. Uh, the only movie playing on like a Wednesday at like two o'clock was this Saw movie. I was like, sure, let's go see it. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, we showed up late, so uh, it was kind of even more confusing than it was as is. The end of the movie, fast forward, a whole bunch of plot details get revealed in the last 60 seconds. I'm not going to go through all the details of those, frankly, because I can't really keep track of all of them. But it's just like the, the guy thinks his family's still in danger, so he cuts off his foot. And after he cuts off his foot, they show that his family's safe, and then he shoots the other guy who was in the bathroom with. And then the guy in the middle of the bathroom turns out to be the mastermind who gets up. And then it shows like 60 seconds of all the plot holes you were wondering. Phil, then I had never experienced an ending like that. Five-star feels all the way around. Game over, closes the door. Game I didn't over. know there was, yeah, game over. And this is just before any of that started. Also, it's not gore porn, the first saw. Just my last little bit of a, like, it is not. There's like hardly any gore in the first saw. After that, sure. But that for, it was just like I had no idea that twist was coming, and you kind of started to expect it with the movies to come, which I enjoyed throughout. But, anyways, the first saw was just great, five star feels to this day, and yeah, I love it. I can't hold it against. I had to be on the list. And then my number eight, Girl Shy, uh, pretty similar type of argument to a Wedding Singer. It's just pure romance. He's, it's a guy going to stop a wedding at the end, and it's this incredible uh, scene. I don't know how they filmed back then that really does still hold up to this day of a guy using all sorts of transportation to get across town to stop a wedding. Harry Lloyd's amazing. He doesn't get mentioned enough. I think in this community, uh, he's really, really fun. Ton of movies of his, I would recommend. And this is just another purely romantic movie. So this is the romance section of the list with saw in between, which I think is also a great romantic story. He's trying to save his family, cut off his foot. That's love. I'm done. All right. Well, have to, well we're going to keep this one quick, unfortunately. So Wedding Singer, I didn't get a chance to watch. Um, Adam Sandler comedy is not my thing, as many people know. This one, I feel like, is probably a little bit easier to swallow. Like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like maybe he's not doing the voices and all that kind of crap in this. No, one, it's, but, it's um, just a good movie. Yeah. yeah so I, I would I would have watched it had I had more time to prepare. But, um, but uh, yeah, no, didn't get around to this one. Maybe someday. Number nine, Saw. Yeah, Saw is not a movie that I want to watch every week, but um, it's very, very well done. And the ending rocks to Saw. Like, it is just an awesome ending. And, you know, I didn't see this movie until much, much later, but I can imagine, like, the reaction of being in the theater the first time. Like, it's definitely up there with the all-time twist when you just, you know, 
when you see it, when you find out how how it all came together. And then, yeah, it just ends. And sometimes I like those endings. There's a few that might come up tonight where it's like it just ends and it just leaves you to sit there and think about like what, you know, what just happened and the game over the door slamming. It's like, you know, it's awesome. Even though now, you know, with the context of like seven other movies and, you know, he had uh, traps set up for 20 years after he died and all this, <laughs> you know, the flashback with the backwards hat. The best yeah, flashback. <laughs> yeah. That's how. Yeah, I am young. De aging technique. That they yes. Use. But, um, yeah. Saw. Great choice. Like really, honestly, great choice. Uh, number eight. Girl shy. Also didn't get a chance to watch this. Um, but again, I watch movies higher on y'all's list, so we'll get there eventually. Kirk, we'll go back to you real quick. Um, I did describe the ending of the killing. So if you just want to talk about like why you liked it um, and then we can yeah. talk about. Your yeah. Answer. I mean, honestly, what it is, it's, you described it and it's a, it's a, what does come out like in the late fifties? So it's a, um, it's, it's a fifties crime movie. And the ending is so obviously just like a haze code Well, they can't get away with it. It's like, well, what do we do? It's like, uh, I don't know, dog on the runway. Just, and it's, but what makes this ending so great for me is my all time favorite line reading. Uh, and into a movie where Sterling Hayden, his girlfriend, as I'm sure you explained, um, after the money's blown all over the place, like sh they're just, she's like basically dragging him out of the airport because he doesn't care at this point. And so she's trying to wave down a flag and as she, or flag, um, wave down a cab. And as she's doing that, um, you know, the cops kind of start to converge. And she's like, we got to get out of here. We're going to get it. Sterling Hayden just goes, what's the difference? Just like, yeah. and just like the total like resignation and just not caring at all. All time great. Uh, line read. I always say nobody does not get away with it like Sterling Hayden because there's a couple other movies like this he does where he's just kind of doomed to fail in his crime and uh, he's great and that line read is great and it's great ending. Yeah, all right. Uh, so going back to real quick, I didn't hear just oh, oh, good. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I haven't actually talked about them yet. Okay, waited, so all right. Lame is number 10. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Kurt. I mean, this is my favorite musical of all time, um, as well. So you know any version of this ending i'm pretty much gonna like unless they just like fundamentally change everything about it yes of course the movie is not even close to being the best you know production that you can watch of les mis if you include stage shows and stuff but um it's still les mis at its heart i do i you know i that wasn't even necessarily something that i had fully put together the sort of change that you um pointed out um but i do like that as well I do, I do agree with you that it does make sense and yeah just like all of them standing there on like the barricade or whatever and singing you know do you hear the people sing and you do get to see eponine like in on there like in the, in that context at the end which makes more sense and um yeah so it's it's very moving again the song is great you know you you really go on a journey with the characters obviously over the the course of les mis so um I don't have a, as much of a problem with it, certainly not as much as many people have, because it's still the ending of Les Mis, and Les Mis is, you know, my favorite musical, so there you go. Uh, Texas Chainsaw. So this is one of those movies, and I think everyone probably has them, where, like, you watch it for the first time, and I was like, eh, whatever, that was fine. Like, almost every time since then that I've thought about this movie, I'm like, yeah, I was probably wrong when I thought that this was just fine. Like, I think this movie is probably pretty great, and if I rewatched it, I would, you know, feel very differently. Um, I haven't done that yet, but I want to. And I want to, again, because I, I watched the ending. I rewatched the ending. Um, and, yeah, I, again, I, I agree with everything you're saying there. Like, the, the documentary style really adds something to it. Like, the the closeness, of the proximity of him to, you know, 
her yeah it, it does make it all the more terrifying and then like you said yeah they're just the laughing at the end the like mix of like the catharsis and the like you know relief but also still like the the terror at what she just experienced that's like a perfect way to to end that scene in that movie so good choice and then number eight um was the killing so i made my own personal list of top 10 endings which maybe i'll bring up at the end but uh, there are two movies tonight which are are made my list. Uh, the Killing is one of them. Um, this movie is amazing. This is the best heist movie of all time, in my opinion. And uh, the ending is is one of the reasons why. Yeah, I agree with Kirk. Like you know, the just bleakness of it. Of um, you know, he he thought he just like looked into this amazing scenario and like everybody else gets blown away. He's going to get away with all the money. He doesn't have to share it with anyone. And now he's going to you know fly away. And first. You know, I talked about also first when he gets to the airport and like the the luggage, they want to check his luggage. And it's like yeah. so suspenseful when you're just like waiting there, like, are they going to open this and see all the money in there? Um, and then, you know, eventually you get out there and just, you know, how what a simple thing it is that a dog would would cause everything to something that you just can't can't predict. And that's, you know, again, not to go off on a diatribe, but I'm not an animal person. Uh, I know that makes me cruel at heart. Uh, this movie confirms why, uh, sorry, Aaron, I know that like, this is literally your job, but, um, because you just can't predict what animals are going to do. This dog just jumps off, you know, knocks the, the suitcase down and the plot is foiled. Um, sorry to say, but anyway, I'm the host tonight. Uh, the killing though, amazing movie, amazing ending. Everyone please watch this. <laughs> right, I don't Jack. like lawyers. So. Yeah, well, nobody, <laughs> nobody does. We're, we're I, if I, if, I, I feel the same way about lawyers. You feel about if dogs. I wanted to choose a profession where people liked me, this would have been. You the know last what? Maybe you would get to enjoy wedding singers' ending sooner, Scott. <laughs> if you like dogs, you maybe, know what? You're probably right. That is really a good thing to put. You know, that's all right. On the I'm profile, sorry, yeah. No, that yeah, is. Let's end. We'll, we'll end this for now. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll pass on my. I'm sure we'll revisit it at some point. Jack, we're going to move on to you. You're ten through eight. All right, my number 10 is Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, my number nine is Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1978 version. Uh, and my number eight is The Usual Suspects. Yeah, so Bonnie and Clyde. This, uh, this is an ending that just absolutely blew me away. I just saw the movie for the first time like a month ago. And uh, when I heard that this was a topic, I knew I had to include this, uh, include it on the list. Uh, so uh, while some other endings may have missed out because of that, whatever, uh, this is just a perfect way to end this movie. Uh, for those of you that don't know uh, how Bonnie and Cl like how Bonnie and Clyde's uh, story came to an end, uh, they were just absolutely massacred on the side of a highway by the uh, by the authorities and uh the, the cops and just it's an absolutely brutal scene the editing is phenomenal uh and when it ends uh it's uh it's the cop that they had like humiliated earlier in the movie and uh it's a movie from the 60s and so you think oh maybe he'll like crack some crappy one-liner or something like that no the final shot of this movie is just the cops uh, walking from the ditch where they uh, where they shot them from 
silently to the to the to the bodies and just standing there silently as the wind blows and it's just it's just a really impactful ending i think it was executed perfectly uh and the best part is estelle parsons is nowhere to be found in that uh in that final scene uh number nine invasion of the body snatchers talk about the best one of the best downer endings in a movie ever uh you uh you follow uh for those of you who don't know what this movie is about for uh whatever reason uh these uh spores from outer space uh pods whatever they are uh fall to earth and they start uh taking over people and replacing them and uh in this whole movie you're following donald sutherland uh as he's trying to survive and uh find a way out of this situation and then uh i can't remember the character's name but you follow this woman who's been with them uh, the whole time, uh, or pretty much the whole time anyway. And she's kind of going through the motions uh, of the day and she finally sees him uh, supposedly doing the same thing. And she sees him, calls out to him, and she realizes that he's been, uh, that, that, they, that they got him too. And the final shot of the movie is absolutely perfect. He just points at her and this uh, blood curling, uh shriek just emanates from him and it's the camera slowly zooms into his mouth and uh slowly uh uh zooms in uh to his mouth and that's how it ends uh just the perfect downer ending uh you you have this little bit of hope that they've uh that they've found uh that that they're both okay but then at the very last second they just crush that hope usual suspects this is one of the most famous twist endings in history, and for good reason. Uh, Kevin Spacey is, uh, say, uh, he's giving an incredible performance in this film. Uh, he, while maybe not my favorite of his performances from 95, uh, it's an absolute deserved Oscar win, and this uh, final scene totally cements uh, why his character is so memorable uh this whole time he's been uh interviewed by these fbi agents uh, i believe they're fbi uh about this crime that uh crime gone wrong uh and uh who and they're trying to figure out uh and he's slowly leading them down this path of uh oh, it I didn't rewatch this ending. I've rewatched a few of the endings, but I didn't rewatch this one. Uh, he he slowly throughout the movie he's slowly leading them down this path, and at the end, you um, you finally see in the background him just uh, throwing random bits of information uh, in the background uh, behind the cop uh, Adam and building building his web of lies, and it's just when everything clicks into place, it just it works and one of the best cut to blacks ever uh with kevin spacey saying the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing the world he doesn't exist and uh and then it cuts back to him in the police station he goes and just like that and cuts to black he's gone chills love this ending uh i, I honestly need to rewatch this movie 
All right. Um, I, you know, if Cody was here, I'll have to put on my Cody hat for a second. He'd say, you know, you've got the IMDb list, of course, Jack, that you're going through here with these picks. But, I, you know, I just had to do it. I'm just I'm kidding. Obviously, <laughs> sometimes the IMDb is the right pick. Uh, number 10, Bonnie and Clyde. Um, so I actually don't love this movie. I think it's a little bit overrated. Um, it's a little slow. You mentioned Estelle Parsons. Yeah, she just like brings the movie to a grinding halt when she appears like um, really rough performance. I do think the ending is really great, though. This was like one of the first movies, I believe, that earned like an R rating. And this was one of the reasons why, like because of how violent this scene is. Um, so, um, yeah, like and, and you see it it's, and it's just shocking and sudden. And, you know, it's another one of those that just it just ends right. Like and uh, like you said, you know, the cops walk up there over the bodies and then you're dead. And, it, you know, it's like. They did all of this, right? Like all the whole movie is about their crime spree and escaping and trying to avoid the law. And like, like that in the course of one or two minutes, it's done. Um, and, you know, it's like, what, what was it all for? You know, it's just, it's one of those like um, anti-crime sort of endings that, you know, really makes you think. So it's a great pick, even, you know, even, even though it appears on a lot of lists, it's still a great pick. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, another great choice. Um, I really enjoy this movie. Um, and yeah, like super haunting ending, just like the way his like eyes roll back and his, his mouth opens and everything in the end. Like, um, like you said, you know, you expect the protagonist is going to, you know, going to survive. He's going to be the one safe because he's he's the one who's at the forefront of all this for the whole movie. Um for it to, to, for that to not be the case and, you know, for it to just end with the question mark of what happens next. Um, it's, you know, it's great. It's a, it's a haunting ending. It, it perfectly plays into like the paranoia. Again, it's a seventies movie. So there's a lot of paranoia. It's like the paranoia of, Oh, what if, you know, this, this person who I know who was walking straight towards me, you know, what if they are the enemy now? What if they're evil all of a sudden? So um, great ending. Number eight, um, you had the usual suspects. I am kind of of the camp that, you know, once you rewatch it, it goes down a little bit. Like, uh, I think once you know the ending and everything, it, you know, it, it kind of loses some of its appeal. You know, and the ending has just been kind of like memed, you know, the coffee cup falling and the limp and all of that and whatever. Like, it's great. It's iconic. You know, it, it obviously is a great twist and well-crafted, but it's just gotten a little old for me. Like, this isn't a movie that I really ever think about going back to rewatch again um maybe i'll watch the ending on youtube or something or watch people's reactions to the ending or something but like that's kind of the only appeal that it has left for me so i understand why you put it on the list obviously it is one of the most famous endings um you know i, I just don't think it holds up as well as some of the others here but all right um we are now into the middle of the list so we are going one at a time uh joseph through your next four picks so why don't you start with your seventh Yep. Okay. So for my number seven, I know we were talking about spoilers being uh, like very loose on it, but I did want to talk about these next two movies without spoilers because I wanted to bring more attention to them. So forgive my being a little bit vague of them, but I do think I can bring some enough uh, attention to them. Uh, but my number seven is Harakiri from 1962. One of the most chilling endings I've ever seen. If you don't know what it's about, it centers around a samurai ronin who requests to commit seppuku at a temple where other where another samurai had previously committed harakiri. And as the movie progresses, that first samurai, he starts to reveal his connection with that other samurai. 
the movie paints the samurai as being hypocritical, heartless warriors who manipulated and took advantage of countless people, including other samurai, in the name of appearing honorable and by living their codes that really ended up dehumanizing them in the process. The movie is a very slow burn narrative, but when that ending hits, it makes the stakes at the end with the fights all the more important and heavy. And then the actual ending that happens, the few, the next few ending scenes that happen after the fighting ends, they are so haunting and almost discomforting to the effect of you see what these samurai do to maintain their honor, to maintain this image that they're ruthless warriors, but also very heartless and inhumane at the same time. If you haven't seen it, I really recommend checking it out. It is one of the most morally complex and thought-provoking endings endings and movies in general that I've ever seen. I took my headphones off. Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch yeah. this one yet either, but um, I want to. It looks great. If Again, if it had been higher, I definitely would have watched it. Um, but we're getting to the ones that I have watched. But so anyway, anyone else seen Harakiri? That's also why I took off my I headphones, have. to be clear. I, I, was, was, I would have <laughs> listened otherwise. Yeah, I muted uh, the, my computer. Kirk, you've seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Um, yeah, it's a great movie. Great. I mean, it's not technically the ending, but the final like fight scene is fantastic. It's like one of those beautifully shot like you know fights or just scenes in general I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, the, the the ending ending where the kind of like the fallout of everything happened. It's one of those things, kind of like a Peric victory type of ending where. Um, Again, Joseph doesn't want to. I'll respect you know Joseph's wishes here, not spoil too much. But like, it's not completely satisfying. But like, you feel like okay, it's enough. Um, but no, great movie in general. Just just watch it for the entire movie, not just the ending. All right, Joseph, what's your six? Again, I'm not going to be talking about actual spoilers for this ending. But I do think a lot of people in this community in particular would find a lot to love about this movie. Uh, it's a 1995 French film called La Haine, and it centers around three men from different minority groups in Paris living for a day in their life after one of their friends is hospitalized after a violent confrontation with the police. The movie as a whole is a commentary about racism and discrimination and the never-ending cycle of violence that results because of that. And as the movie progresses, you see these three protagonists go more uneasy and more on edge as they await news about their friend. And they get into a lot of misadventures and really bad situations that when the actual ending happens, all of that buildup and tension that builds up comes to a head. I was holding my breath throughout it. It kept me tense and glued throughout. It is one of the most tense endings I've ever seen. And in the process of making... Uh, the point of its message and its commentary, you can argue that you might be able to see it coming, but the way that it happens is not something that I saw coming, but I am very, I was very impacted by that ending. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie, but you like movies like American History X, you can tell the cinematography was inspired heavily by this movie, influenced by this movie, or Do the Right Thing. I also think it has some similar vibes to that. This movie is definitely worth checking out. And I, I personally also love the, this movie the most out of those three movies. Yeah, I watched this yesterday. Um this movie is great. Uh, fantastic film, fantastic choice, honestly. Um, it reminds me actually a little bit of one of my favorite 
contemporary directors, which is Sean Baker. Um, it reminds me of one of his movies about, you know, because he, he makes these movies that are kind of these slice of life movies about outsiders. And, you know, like you said, all three of the guys are outsiders there. You know, you have a Vincent Cassell is a Jewish guy. You have, you know, a black Frenchman and you have um, the Middle Eastern um, character, Saeed. Um, and, you know, it's about their experiences. You know, again, you, there is that overarching plot element like you're talking about, but you're also just like experiencing what they experience on a daily basis and how they have to face these prejudices and everything and the looming specter of the police. Um, and, you know, these moral questions bouncing around, you, you know, do the right thing, I think is a good comparison point, too, of, you know, how far is too far when it comes to resisting what you believe is, you know, an oppressive um, state. Um, and, you know, it just it builds and builds. It is, you know, like, again, it is a combination of like a day in the day in the life movie, but it also has like real stuff on its mind. Uh, but it never like is pushing you towards a particular agenda or anything like that. Like it's all just kind of below the surface asking you to sort of decide for yourself. And that's especially true of the ending. Again, I won't spoil it either, but um, you don't know exactly what happens at the end of this movie. Um, not, not, you know, you don't know exactly what happens um, and you're left to sort of sit in the ambiguity um, and think about how did it get to this point? How could this, you know, how could it maybe have been st stopped or prevented? Um, and, you know, who who was in the right if anyone was in the right? Um, again, that's probably a, a simplistic reading to believe that it's a black and white um, movie morally. But I, I highly recommend this movie to everyone. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a pretty quick watch. It's less than 100 minutes. It's very gripping. Um, again, uh, even though it's like a, a day in the life type thing, like there's a lot of tension throughout the whole movie. And all the all the performances of the three guys are great. I mean, Vincent Cassell is just like he has that live wire to him. If you've ever seen him in anything, um, that's just what he brings. He's perfect for the, the character that he plays in this movie. Like I can't think of anyone else having played that role. But anyway, great choice. Anyone else seen like yeah aaron yeah i love this movie um great great choice joseph um and yeah i agree pretty much with everything both of you have said um really recommend everybody goes out and watches it vince cassell uh yeah perfect perfect jew so mazel tov <laughs> all right that, so no kirk you haven't okay all right joseph let's move on to your five then Hey, uh, I uh, prevented, I restrained myself from talking from too many spoilers for seven and six through for my five and on. I will be talking full on spoilers, starting with number five, which is Casablanca. Uh, this Yikes. ending, sorry, Yikes. Okay, I believe that was Yikes. Nice. Okay, continue on with spoilers. Feel free to stick around and listen because even though I'm going to be spoiling this ending, nothing that I say will prepare you for the nightmare of war that this movie paints. It's 1985's Come and See, and it centers around a Russian boy named Flora who wants to go to war to fight for his country, but along the process, he witnesses numerous horrific atrocities and they will affect him for the rest of his life. The movie ends with him joining other Russian soldiers, both made up of adults and young boys and teens, child soldiers. And before he goes with them, He's just standing there and staring at a frame of Hitler that's lying on the ground. And then he takes his gun and then starts shooting at it. The noises 
in that particular ending are positive are just tremendously shaking they shook me as i was watching this and in florio's mind you can see him turning back time trying to see if maybe had hitler not been alive or had somebody if somebody had killed hitler then all of the events during world war ii maybe leading up to world war ii could have been prevented and he keeps turning back time in his mind and keeps shooting at the frame and then he reaches hitler as a boy and then hitler as a baby and then he pauses and the pain that you see on his face is just devastating and then once that entire montage finishes then the epilogue uh says that there were this many casualties and villages that were burned down and cleansed during world war ii and then fioria just goes over with the other soldiers and then joins them in their walk through the woods the music playing is very haunting and the movie itself is one of the most haunting movie endings to any war movie that i've ever seen you're muted welcome to the hosted chair yeah i i never do that either i don't know what happened <laughs> but um i unfortunately didn't get to watch this one um I wanted to on some level, but also I know like it is very long and it is like, you know, described as being like one of the most punishing movies to watch. So, um, you know, I guess I should have done my homework or whatever for the show. I definitely did do plenty of homework. We'll talk about movies again. I watched Lane and several others, but um, yeah, I, I couldn't bring myself to sit down and uh, and endure this one i mean i know it's supposed to be brilliant and a masterpiece and maybe i'll watch it someday like if i get to see it in theaters or something but um yeah, i can't imagine it. watching this in theaters Dude, that would yeah. be insane it's like really rough don't wait for theater ah, i know but just to get the full experience of it like i feel mm -hmm. like it is it is a movie you need to to you know soak it all in to appreciate it but anyway uh aaron you've seen it yeah um any this thoughts? movie is exactly what you kind of expect it to be if you're prepared to go into it. And the by the ending, I was like, I got it. Um, but it did not grip me. I kind of found the ending to be my least um, like impactful aspects in a way. Not to like hate on it, but like and maybe it was just my lead up to it also. Like I was just like, this is what I expected it to be when everybody warned me about come and see. And like it's if you judge come and see by its cover you've got it pretty correct because the cover is what the movie basically i mean so i'm not I, I don't know like i'm glad that you got more out of that ending for me it was just like i would have preferred more of that interspersed throughout the movie other than just like this weird kind of artistic turn at the end only for me that's just my personal choice yeah could i just say something about that well i understand that because it feels like that's like a decrease in intensity with the rest of the movie that just passed over but i feel like it reflects the main character and the weariness of it all maybe. i like that i want more of that through the movie it didn't feel less it just felt like it could, I, I for me i just couldn't need but yeah fair enough okay, i don't love war movies, this? So. yeah i've seen it um i kind of aaron did a i was trying to figure out my feelings for it and aaron kind of did a pretty good job um i mean the whole movie it's well made but it's, I don't know, it's not disaster porn or torture porn. 
atrocity porn where it's just like you're getting hit with images of like death and suffering and unspeakable horror like for this movie's what like three hours long it's a long movie and it just you're just it's just a barrage of that imagery and by the time i got to the end i don't want to say i was checked out but i think i was just had like was desensitized and I mean, maybe this is the way you end that movie. But for me, like I wasn't feeling anything. So when the movie's like, okay, now it's time to feel something, I just wasn't ready to. Uh, so that might be just a personal thing for me. I, again, I think the whole movie's well done. I think the, the, the ending's well done. It's just so hard to watch. And I was just so exhausted by the end that I wasn't as impacted by it as I probably should have been. I haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. All right, um, we're moving along now. Uh, thank you, Joseph. We're going to Kirk's seven through four. Okay, uh, my number seven is probably the most famous ending, uh, like to general audiences anyway, that I have on my list. Uh, it's Brian De Palma's Scarface. Nice. Um, I love this movie, and I just the character um, that Pacino creates here is so good. Um, Tony Montana is just a horrible person, uh, but he has like this moral center and this code that he lives by uh, in this world where nobody else has that, whether they're police, whether they're criminals, whatever, you know, whether they're in finance, like no one else in, this, in, in the, his world has that, but him. Uh, so you kind of come to like begrudgingly respect him. And by the end, um, I don't think I'm spoiling it for anybody. Cause I, this is, you know, even if you don't know Scarface, you know, say hello to my little friend and all that. Um, but he comes out, you know, at the end, like the, 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 the rival drug Lord that he's wronged uh, is sending men to his mansion. It's basically like an army invading his compound and they're all coming in. And he comes out and he sees him coming. Like his sister's just been murdered. Like the one connection he still had to humanity, like real life, uh, has been killed. Uh, so he's like, okay. So he grabs all his guns. He comes out. He storms out. He's on top of these steps, and he just starts blasting. These guys got the machine gun, the famous machine gun with the grenade launcher on it. And for a while, he's holding his own. You know, you're thinking, like, you're thinking, like, oh, maybe he'll get out of this. This is a movie. Maybe he'll survive. Um, but you know, someone he, t- he takes a couple stray bullets and he stays standing. And, you know, even as he's getting shot, he's still shooting back and, you know, he's yelling and he's being defiant. And, you know, eventually his, you know, his machine gun kind of gets shot out of his hand and he just stands there unarmed. And he's taking, you know, he's getting riddled with bullets. and He's still, you know, screaming at him. I'll take your bullets. I take your bullets. And uh, you can't kill me. And it just I love the character so much because, you know, he lived a certain way. You know, he talked about living a certain way. And even at the end, you know, it's like, I'm not going to cower. I'm not going to run away. This is the way I live. This is the way I'm going out. So be it. He just faced it. And then, you know, he's still, you know, he's getting riddled with his machine gun bullets. And he's taking it. He's not, he's not going down until someone finally came up through his window, sneaks up behind him, gets him to back, with, you know, close range with the shotgun. And he sends him over the rail. And it's such a great final shot. You got that, like, pulsating score. And it, you know camera zooms up he falls it falls in like this pawn fountain thing he has in the middle of his mansion and it has the statue that says the world is yours which is a call back to the beginning of the movie he said you know the, you know what do you want the world and everything in it so um just a great like kind of like this is how it ends how th- this is the inevitability of this lifestyle it pans over the mansion you see both like that like gaudy early 1980s miami opulence covered in blood and gore and dead bodies and it's just like that's his life in a nutshell um, so I think it's just a great way to wrap up that movie and that character. Yeah, I enjoy this movie too. Um, yeah, I think De Palma has like this trilogy of crime uh, of gangster movies, like with this, The Untouchables, and Carlito's Way. 
this would probably actually be my least favorite but of the three but like this movie gets way too much hate still like it's still a De Palma movie so like it's awesome um and uh yeah it, you know it, it does get a little exhausting because he is just you know such a, a live wire and over the top the whole time um but again this is like the the theme we're having tonight is like these crime movies with like the very abrupt endings where you know the the heroes are just you know getting completely foiled you know heroes obviously in quotation marks are getting completely foiled um and yeah like you know this is this is how it's going to end pretty much the whole movie um but just seeing it happen like that and the fact that he doesn't back down from his bluster at all even in the face of a hail of bullets um again it really it really makes you reflect on well you know what was all this for what was all this you know bluster and confidence and braggadocio and all of that what, what was it all for it was it was so it could end exactly how we we know it would end and how other people told him it would end so um yeah it's an iconic ending i think it you know it makes sense on this list um and the movie is is good um for sure and definitely not you know it seems like it, people are more down on it nowadays but i don't agree with that everyone else on scarface this is an excellent choice uh the ending is phenomenal uh I, yeah i knew about the ending long before i saw the movie but that really didn't take away from from it for me it's just the most over the top uh send off to this this character and yeah hell of a hell of a line uh say hello my little friend so yeah very entertaining bloody shootout yeah this movie <laughs> rules brian de palma like one of the best directors ever so great choice um and yeah i, don't, I didn't know this movie was over hated uh either like i feel like you know it's like a mixture which it should be it's a it's a divisive type of movie but um you know, it's one that's endlessly kind of inspired so many to follow as well. That, and I almost think like the ending's better when you know it's that makes the movie better on the rewatch. Like, if it does it, it's an ending. Some endings are gonna ruin the movie. And like, if I was judging best ending, I wouldn't judge that like how the ending holds up because like you can't judge that first time. But this is one where you can judge like it holds up on rewatch even better. So, yeah, Brian De Palma rules. No disagreement there. All right, Kirk, you're six. All right, um, my number six is Hell or High Water. And um, if you haven't seen this, tune out because I don't want to. I can't really talk about the end without spoiling it, and it's really worth watching. So check this movie out. Um, but yeah, the ending, the final scene. It's basically uh, uh, Chris Pine and his brother have been going on a, 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 a crime spree, robbing banks to save their uh, their homestead, which the bank is trying to take from them because they discovered oil on it. Uh, so uh, basically, the way they've done it is the brothers. His brother was a career criminal, and kind of you know. His had kind of thrown his wife life away on crime anyway, um, and Chris Prine was a straight arrow, never gone anything that. But they did this together. Uh, at the end, there's um, the, the big climatic shootout. His brother is killed. Uh, Jeff Bridges, who's the cop who's been following him the whole time, his partner is killed in the shootout. Um, and then once that's done, um, you know, before the shootout. Uh, his brother had sent him away so he wouldn't get caught. So he's kind of free and clear at this point. Like everybody's like, oh, his brother was the criminal. He was the bank robber. He's dead. Case closed. Uh, but Jeff Bridges isn't letting it go. Uh, he plays this like grizzled old uh, you know, detective. 
And um, so he's at, right after this is his last case. He's retired now at this point after, you know, the dust has settled. Um, and you can tell he's just kind of aimless. I think his wife has passed away previously before the start of the movie. Uh, so he has nothing to do, nothing really going on with his life. Uh, he's going in, still kind of stooping around, trying to figure out what's going on there, shooting him away from the police station. Uh, so he goes to confront Chris Pine. And, um, you know, Chris Pine's out there. And the first thing he says, you know who I am? I'm the man who killed your brother. And it's great. This whole movie is like a modern Western. It's just such a great, like, kind of like Western standoff between these two. Uh, so he's like, mind if I sit? So they go sit down at this port and they have a conversation. Like, why'd you do it? Just tell me why you did it. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where they're enemies by nature, but I think they understand each other and they understand what they respect each other. Uh, even though there's like some anger there, because again, there's, you know, they've, they've killed like the person closest to, to them. Uh, so, uh, you know, and, and there's this whole undercurrent where I think Jeff Bridges honestly is on a suicide mission where he's ready to die. And he's because uh, when Chris Pine shows up, he's holding a shotgun. And, you know, the first thing he said, I killed your brother. And he keeps, you know, insulting his brother, egging him on. I, I think he's okay not walking away from the scenario. And, you know, he's like, just tell me what, why you did it. And Chris Pine's like, you know, my whole family's been poor. And, you know, that, now they're not going to be. And without admitting anything, like kind of telling him this is this is what happened. So just a great back and forth. And then they walk away. He's like, you know, you ever want to finish this? You know, you know where to find me. Maybe I'll give you peace. He's like, you'll never find peace. But, you know, maybe I'll give you some too. Um, so just a fantastic movie. Like I said, it just just has like such a West old West feel in a very modern setting. Um, and just two really great characters coming together. And it's one of those movies where I love movies like this, where you have two opposing forces and you're not rooting against either of them. And then they come together at the end like this to kind of, you know, square things away or not. Um, but yeah, fantastic ending. One of the great just uh, ending scenes of all time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, one of the reasons the movie's so good is because, you know, it, it humanizes the the robbers in a way that a, a lesser movie probably wouldn't. And again, you understand the systemic reasons for why they are, are doing what they they do. And, you know, even the fact that, you know, his family comes home in like the middle of the, the conversation, and that's kind of what stops them from, you know, from it all erupting in gunfire right then and there. Um but you understand both sides, like you you empathize with both sides to some extent because they both lost someone um, who was important to them. They both like want revenge, but um, yeah, I mean the the dialogue is great. It, it it is like a you know the the Mexican standoff, you know the Western standoff, but um, like there's actual dialogue in it. Like you know a lot of times you know you think of the good, the bad, and the ugly, just you know them staring each other down for ten minutes. Um, but um you know the the di the dialogue here and obviously taylor sheridan wrote it but um you know his dialogue really like helps to um again make everyone's perspective clear but also like up the tension until you think you know again that we're about to have some violence um so yeah really strong ending really um pays off both of those characters arcs in a satisfying way um everyone else on hell or high water Love the movie. Pretty, uh, I think Kirk hit it on the, hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah, this is a great movie. Great ending. It almost made my list. Didn't almost make my list. I liked the movie and ending, though. Well said, Kirk. All right. Easy enough. Um, <laughs> Kirk, you're five. All right. Uh, my number five is a more obscure movie. I don't think a lot of people have seen this. So if everybody tunes out, I'll probably be talking to myself. Uh, the movie is called Landmine Goes Click. 
Um, this is a movie. The reason I love this movie is how it's structured. Um, it's basically a revenge movie in reverse. Um, what happens? It starts out. There's three Americans hiking in the hills of an eastern. I think it's Georgia, somewhere in Eastern Europe, and um, the one of the, the it's two guys and a girl. Uh, one of them's a couple. Uh, the guy steps on uh, while they're hiking. He steps on a landmine and goes click. So he's stuck there. He can't move. And um, as it goes on, as they're trying to figure out, it's revealed that um, he's actually been uh, cheating on the other guy cheating with the, the girlfriend of the other guy and he kind of set this up to get revenge on both of them so he leaves them there and they're just stuck and they don't know that he can't walk off the landmine he can't do anything so he's just there um as this is going on uh they come across a hunter um i should have said this before i told people to turn up but you know one content warning i will give this very graphic sexual assault scenes of this so uh keep that in mind um then across this hunter asks him for help. And first he's like, oh, yeah, I'll help you. But then he starts to tease him and it gets worse and worse and uh, kind of starts to just like really psychologically torturing, torturing them. And then he ends up, you know, long story short, he graphically uh, and like violently sexually assaults this girl and uh, ends up killing her. Um, and when that happens, uh, as that's happening, the man, the main character's name is Chris. He's forced off the landmine. Turns out it was fake. The whole guy, the guy set up, he, he, he was no danger the whole time. Uh, so, um, so basically... The assault happens, the girl's laying there dead, and the movie hard cuts to some indeterminate time later, months, years later, and um, Chris is now pursuing the hunter and he shows up he shows up at his house and he kind of he's not he's not home at the time so he sneaks in and like is like gets in the house with his wife and daughter and um, starts messing with them. And what's great about this is that unlike normal revenge movies where you might be like you know, the, 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 the inciting incident, to co- the, the cause for revenge happens in the first act. And you have the whole movie to kind of like come to terms with it. And, you know, by the end, you're like, OK, this is a movie um, because the way this, the, the, this movie is paced and designed. You're still in Chris's headspace. You're still so ang- as furious and angry as he is over what happened. So you're ready for him to get his revenge. You want to see this hunter suffer. So he goes in the hunter's house and he starts like, you know, just he's like, he's like toying with him at first. Um, but then it starts to get violent and he starts doing some really graphic things, some pretty, you know, um, you know, unspeakable things. Not, I mean, he's not doing going that far, but like he's like making the, his daughter like take her clothes off and stuff. And you're like, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're, you you got to draw the line, but like, you, you're still, you hear, like, you know, this hunter is suffering, the guy is suffering, and you're happy about that because of what you just saw him do five minutes ago, your time, and um, you don't, you, you know, Chris is serious, but you never think that he's going to go that far, at least with the, with the wife and daughter. You think he's probably going to kill the hunter, but he's just toying with him as far as the wife and daughter goes. So what he starts doing eventually is he's starts playing Russian roulette with the daughter. And he's like real nonchalant with it, just like spinning the thing and pulling the trigger. Does it like three or four times, does a gun. Just, hey, watch this, boom, gun goes off. As soon as the gun goes off, his face drops and he realized what he did. And at that moment, you realize, like you both come out of his that anger at the same time. You're like, oh my God, he just killed this innocent girl. And the rest of the movie is him, uh, He it, it just, the, it's the scene it ends with him the camera's on him you hear the parents screaming and wailing and you just see him coming to terms with that he did like i said and you are you feel at that point at least i did you feel complicit in what what's happened because of how badly you wanted to see him get his revenge and you realize how kind of pointless the whole thing was so i love movies that i feel that make me feel horrible when they're over um i don't know what's wrong with me but it's just that's something that i enjoy like when i'm like sick about it the next day 
I, that's a sign of a good movie to me. Um, so uh, like I said, just, just the way this movie um, manipulates your emotions uh, is so well done. It's a really great ending. So uh, that's why I made my list. And I'm doing the signal. Yeah. Everyone's safe now. Um, yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to watch it. I was very curious about it because I literally had never heard of this movie until you put it on your list. Um, but I see it's on like Amazon Prime and uh, and I think some other streaming services. So I do want to watch it. It sounds very heartwarming. Uh, sounds like I really <laughs> definitely need one I need to be in the mood for. Um, but I am definitely intrigued. So I will try to get around to it. So... Nobody else has seen this, I imagine. No, I just have a question. When when this movie uh, perfectly manipulates your emotions, it's okay. But when James Cameron does it, it's awful. Uh, no. I'm just I'm you don't do. Let's not. Let's I'm not. Uh, I'm just kidding. Jack, right That's uh, all until I somebody heard. has Titanic number one on their list, um, <laughs> then no, do it, Jack. Do it. Poke the bear. Let's go. Let's get some fights. <laughs> Titanic is the, maybe the greatest emotionally manipulative ending, but you you are you all aren't ready for that conversation. Um, greatest, all right, greatest Kirk. manipulation movie in general. Um, okay, yeah, my number Kirk, four, four. My number four is Heat. Um, was Heat? Everybody talks about the diner scene, which is fantastic, and I love it. Um, but I think this ending is such a great bookend and a conclusion to that scene, uh, where in the diner scene, you know, they're kind of talking and getting to know each other. And I said this before about this movie. I love so much uh, movies. And it's almost like Hell or High Water kind of has that feel to it. I almost didn't put them both on my list because they're kind of similar. Um, but that idea of two characters who circumstances have put on the opposite ends of the spectrum and put them against each other. But at the same time, they are the... Um, they're the only ones who understand what they're going through, even though they're on the opposite ends of it. And um, there's kind of like that camaraderie there. They even say, you know, like in another life, you and I would have been, you know, barbecuing in the backyard together. Um, so I love when it comes to this ending. You know, it's the final shootout in the airport, the two of them. Uh, Pacino's chasing De Niro down. Um, great looking scene. Sound design is fantastic. You have the planes taking off the background. You know, the lights coming up and going off and... Uh, that actually plays into the, the, the actual story and the action. Um, so it ends with Pacino shooting De Niro, taking him out. And he looks at him. He's like, I told you I wasn't going back. And again, like very much like Scarface, uh, De Niro's character here is just like, hey, this is how I live. This is the life I chose. And this is how it ends. And then he puts his hand out. And, and Pacino holds his hand as he's dying. And it's just such a beautiful, in a very bleak movie, just such a beautiful moment where like they have that connection. You know, and it's like, there's like, I'm not mad at you. This is just part of it. This is, this is how I knew this is how it was going to go. And this all goes, you know, you got me. I didn't get you. So you won this time. And um, there's no like malice or anger there. There's just like a, a serenity to both of them as he dies. Um, so, like I said, I think this is as great as that, um, that Donner scene is. I don't think it's complete until this scene. And it's just a, a, a beautiful end of this movie in the story. Yeah, real dudes rock ending, just holding hands, watching the, you know, moon rise or whatever they're they're watching there of the the <coughs> report. Um I mean, yeah, this is one of my favorite movies. So obviously I love the ending. Um I love the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, as you're talking about the diner scene, but you know, they're they're talking about how, you know, close they could have been if they didn't have this like invisible barrier of the law between them. Um, and then, you know, what you see in the final scene is now, you know, De Niro, Neil is dying and, um, 
the barrier has finally been lifted and they like share this moment of, um, you know, physical closeness that they actually can because, you know, it's all about to be over in a matter of, of minutes. Um, and yeah, of course it's Michael Mann. So the, the technical aspects of the scene are amazing too. And just like the, you don't, you know, you don't know who's about to, to, to go down in this scene until it happens. And he just waits for his moment and then bang, bang. And like, you know, right there in the, like the light of the airplane or the light of the, the airport, whatever it is, you see him like, you know, light, light up. And, um, it's, you know, it's uh, stunning to look at technically. And, and the sound design is amazing in the movie too, because they're shooting real bullets and all that stuff. So um, yeah, awesome um, movie, all timer. And the ending definitely puts a beautiful bow on it. Everyone else on heat. I haven't seen it. I know. Awesome movie with a lot of awesome scenes, not just the diner scene or the shootout scene. The ending's awesome. Every yeah. Scene, really. Yeah, this whole movie is just great. Um, great second VHS back in the day. Um, this was <laughs> uh, really, really worth the watch. Um, I had just seen the first half for so long. So, yeah, when we finally paid it off at the end, yeah, it's super impactful. Only thing would have been better if it was on a floating door uh, that could have fit two people on it. Yeah. It's the only way the near like if they're on a floating door, just saying, saying no, no, no. If, let go and then letting go right like right after they're done with the sentence. But but that's not the ending, no. The the ending. Oh, I know, and then Tosta, yeah. No, if Neil Macaulay was getting welcomed into the afterlife by all of his, you know, friends and associates who were lost before him, that would be about Jim saving movies. Do you uh did did he actually have a two VHS? Yes, it did. Yes, it's I'm curious. Do you remember where the the point was when the when I think it was right after Val Kilmer died. Okay. Like, like, like I'm not positive on that. Wait, he doesn't. He doesn't. Or like, yeah, like near that. Not dies, but gets. Yeah, gets. Are are you talking about Tom Sizemore dying? That maybe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm talking about Tom Sizemore. R.I.P. Tom Sizemore, by the way. Spoiler Um, alert. Yeah, but yeah, it definitely was two two uh, VHSs. I'm positive on that. Scarface was also two VHS I've ever had. True. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. Titanic up. as well. <laughs> of course. Yeah. That's like the most. I saw Titanic one. five times in theaters with my mother. Bless. I don't know why, but I have the Titanic VHS. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> Beautiful. You hold on to that. That's a good collection. Yeah. That's All right, uh, Aaron. We're over to your seven through four. Uh, All right. Number seven. So. I'm in the basic section of my list, so I'm not going to like really explain these endings that much just because people have done it better, I'm sure. My first one is Gus Van Zandt classic, Psycho. Uh, this ending is incredible. Uh, like, let me tell you. And it's in color as well? Excellent. No, I'm just kidding. The Hitchcock version, of course, is my pick. Um, yeah, he's dual personalities at the end. What a twist. Uh, it, he's his mother, and, you know, it's... I. It's it's held up over time. It's not like a ending that is super just like, oh, my God, this is just like blaming it on multiple personalities. You can really kind of, you know, make a deep kind of connection to the end and be like, man, if he turned it, if he didn't stop from turning into his mother, he would have killed himself as well. And I don't care about the sequels uh, at all. I just take this movie for what it is. And the sequels are another universe. Um, yeah, it's just a classic and I'm, I don't, I can't say anything about it. No one else has. So, yeah, that's really all I've got to say about it. I still remember the first time I saw it in the Vince Vaughn, uh, Gus Van Zandt version. Yes, I did see that first. Uh, and I thought it was great. 
Uh, I thought it was great. Anne Heche was, uh, you know, I can't believe they killed off Anne Heche so fast. Uh, man, like she was like Ellen's girlfriend at the time. That's crazy. Rest in peace, Anne Heche. Yeah, we're talking about a lot of people that died recently. Um, Sorry. Anyway, Psycho. Yeah, um, I actually, so obviously this movie is great and very influential. It's not even one of my favorite Hitchcock movies, to be honest with you. Um, I I like the movie. Uh, I'm not going to say it's overrated because, um, you know, it is, again, massively influential, but it's just not one of my favorites. Um, but the ending is, you know, it's great. It's iconic. Like the the look on his face, the like sh smile and everything, like you have no idea what is going on inside there. But, uh, you know, this, you know, brutal cocktail that's that's uh, going on inside of him between him and his mother, uh, that battle is is, uh, you know, it's fascinating to watch for sure. And um, especially for the time period, like very chilling for them to acknowledge that sort of thing. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a great ending. It's a classic. Everyone else on Psycho. Uh, it's also not one of my like top favorite Hitchcocks. It might be like up there, like in or out of my top five Hitchcock. But uh, yeah, this ending is uh, is really great. I, uh, maybe the explanation was a little bit overdone, but for the time, I'm okay with it. And this is a movie that I really wish I saw without having the ending spoiled. Yeah, I, like most people, I'm sure, had the ending spoiled for me long, 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 long before I ever saw this movie. Uh, that being said, the ending is still incredible. Uh, like the the very, very ending with the, uh, where you hear the uh, the mother's voice uh, and just you get that really uh, slow close up on Anthony Perkins. That's perfect the right before that it feels a little over uh over explained uh but man this the ending is just the that final uh zoom in on perkins is just fantastic my favorite story about the gus van sant psycho and I, it's not really a story just urban legend is that he only remade it so no one else would be able to he yeah. just did shot for shot remake and like, okay, that, that, that's done. No one can ever do it again. And I hope that's true because if so, what a champ, what a hero, just to <laughs> fall in that grenade and take that hit at your career just to protect that movie. Um, but no, Psycho is great. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it's not top tier uh, uh, Hitchcock for me, but it's still a lot of fun. I think it might be one of his most fun movies. And um, yeah, I do think I agree with Joseph that the explanation, the exposition they give at the end is a little too like heavy handed, but just that zoom in on him at the end and you just the, the actually hearing the voice of his mother and knowing that he's like completed the transformation uh, is, is really terrifying. It's, it's a really great, uh, uh, great moment. And by the way, we mentioned De Palma earlier, you know, he dressed to kill as kind of his psycho and ends with a very similar ending with the psychiatrist like explaining everything. So dress to kill is yeah. great. It is. It's very much it. All right, Aaron, you're number six. Number six, keeping it basic, Sunset Boulevard. Uh, everybody loves a full circle ending, and this is this is just the best one uh, for me, one of my favorite endings ever. I didn't know anything about it going in either, so I was lucky enough there, other than I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille, which is just a perfect ending kind of line and. Uh, Norma Desmond's just completely gone over the edge after killing Joe, the man who was going to leave her, but did just enough to keep her from uh, getting uh, locked up. And then 
you know, she's just completely lost herself by the end of the movie. Uh, she, you know, it, it's a movie that hasn't been remade because it doesn't have to be remade. Unfortunately, uh, the, all the themes still apply today. Just the sub in whatever, uh, TMZ, whatever internet. And it's just like, this is, she thinks this, that she's filming her movie by the end of it. And just that, that quote really makes sense once you watch the movie and, uh, you know, the whole movie being narrated by the murdered man in the pool. Like it's just, it's absolutely classic. It kind of, uh, maybe it's where saw got its idea for its ending of the guy getting up from the bathroom. Who knows? <laughs> like, you know, that homage, if you will. Um, but yeah, this is just perfect. I mean, Billy Wilder's okay. I guess if you're into good movies, uh, black comedy in the purest form too. And it's just like, kind of just does away with this whole, like, Oh, you're safe with the fifties movies here. Like this yeah. is, nothing safe about this movie it's great nothing safe about hollywood either um true yeah um you know this i feel like there's like been even in recent years like a, a rush of endings of like that are just close up on people's faces and like they're doing stuff like last year we had like pearl for example midsommar is like a similar thing which are smile about. probably did that too i would assume i didn't see smile but i, I didn't see smile. i guarantee <laughs> it ends with a smile <laughs> I guarantee anyway, it. <laughs> my my point is, I feel like they were all sort of born out of this uh, Sunset Boulevard ending. Like maybe that was, uh, you know, somebody can call me out if there was another one that did it before this. But anyway, this feels like the the most iconic example of that. Of like her face just, you know, there at the bottom of the stairs at the end. And yeah, like you said, just oblivious to everything that's going on. Like, um, you know, it's an all time performance from from Gloria Swanson and. Um, you know, everyone knows, of course, that that line of, um, you know, I'm ready for my close up, Mr. DeMille. But like you said, um, I think it is one that you can't appreciate unless you see the movie and like you understand the context of everything, like because it is it is the last thing said in the movie. And so obviously you need to understand everything that comes before it and makes it so much more more tragic that, you know, she's about so. to be arrested. So, um yeah, great choice. I'm surprised it was only on one person's list. Um, but yeah, five star, five star feels Sunset Boulevard for sure. Um, everyone else on Sunset Boulevard. Yes. Yeah, this, this... Oh, sorry, Kirk. Go ahead. No good. Uh, great ending. Uh, I love seeing this with showing this to my dad, and he reacted to the gun. He sees noticing, Liam, come on, please. He sees the gun that she has before she actually threatens Joe. And that was, that made me kind of like happy that he saw it, but I also jealous that he saw it. And uh, yeah. And then the ending happens very haunting and it grows on me as time goes along. Uh, yeah. This is one of my favorite movies. Uh, top 10 for me. And that's basically why I didn't put it on my list because I've, I've talked about this movie a lot. Um, but yeah, great. And again, very similar to psycho where you have someone just mentally in balance, who's just completely snapped and kind of completed that transformation into that, you know, wherever they're at living in their head. Um, the one thing I love about this scene um, doesn't get talked about a lot is the character of Max, who I think is a great character in the movie. You know, you find out late, you know, who he is and like his story and how he's kind of like, sacrifice his life and career for her and like dedicate his entire existence to her and now it's all over and he has to he's the one who orchestrates the you know the fantasy for her that she's 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 filming this movie and um as he's doing that you know knowing you know he's drawing her in the hands of the police to 
go away forever probably uh you just see that pain and anguish in his face uh as as that's happening so i i think he's he really makes uh, is a great part of the scene um but no like like i said and like aaron uh, Aaron said just such a modern movie this movie could have been made like 1984 and i wouldn't be surprised um but that's all about her okay uh uh, joseph and Kirk, we're gonna. Oh wait, Joseph, start. I'm tired. Uh, nice talk to you. Yeah, this is a great ending. Uh, I saw it for the first time back in film studies in high school, and I was blown away. Uh, I didn't get the opportunity to rewatch it until uh, later last year. Works just as well on rewatch. Uh, Gloria Swanson is phenomenal as Norman Desmond, and this final this final shot is just absolutely perfect. It almost made my list. All right, uh, Aaron, your number five. All right, last of the basic for a minute here. Uh, but uh, this is uh, one that appears one way and uh, just you slowly kind of sets in with uh, out of you know, much of a much of a verbiage at all. And if I have to say at this point, you haven't seen the movie, so take off your uh, headphones. It's the graduate. Uh, I mean, this is thinking you've gotten, yeah, thinking. So, should I wait here? Then? No, 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 no. You, you can talk about it. It's, it's okay. Jack's. Okay. Well, actually, yeah. you know what? We, we, yeah, let, let's just wait That's actually until we get to Jack because he okay. has it next. Yeah. No oh. problem. All right, cool. Um, my number four. Uh, I hate this movie more than any movie <laughs> I've ever seen. Oh, my God. I, I've never walked out of the theater for a piss break or for a movie I've hated. This is the closest I've came. It's the fucking mist, man. This movie fucking sucks. It is the worst movie I've ever seen. I don't care what anybody says. No one can convince <laughs> me otherwise. When you're checked out of a movie, it's playing like overarching like choir and like having like this religious like just this played by whoever that I meant. I don't even know who the one. I'm not looking it up on Marsha Gay Harden. Marsha Gay Harden. When she's just giving this whole sermon and it's just like this choir is playing. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm a Jew. Like, I'm checked out of all this fucking Catholic guild or whatever the hell is going on in this movie. I don't know who I offended. I'm sorry. Regardless, like, it's just like a lot of, it felt like a religious sermon throughout. So all I wanted was the worst possible ending possible for these characters by the end, especially fucking Thomas Jane, who at one point they're like, what's that over there? And they're like, oh, it's the mist. They literally say that in the movie. And it's just like, I want these people dead. Uh, I get my wish for the most part. They're all stuck in a van at the end, like these old people, uh, Thomas Jane and this kid. And I think some like woman he was kind of in love with her. No, he wasn't because they found out his wife was dead. So they're driving through the mist. Oh, no, they're running out of gas. Uh, Toby Jones is in there, right? Toby Jones might have been in there, sure. I haven't gone back and rewatched this movie. I just remember how happy I was about the horrible ending for the character of Thomas Jane. They all like look at each other like, let's kill ourselves because it's way worse than getting eaten by this monster. Hopefully no one's coming to save us. We can't hear these tanks or military possibly coming behind us uh, that we've been driving for however long to run out of the gas. Uh, Also, like the muscle in this movie was the Shermanator. Uh, so that tells you like all you need to know the guy from American Pie. Uh, but like either way, they're at the end. They're like, let's kill each other. So Thomas Jane offs some old people, offs Toby Jones, offs his kid. 
And he, Kelby that, Jones gets killed earlier. Sorry, oh, I does. forgot. But no, yeah. no problem. Who cares? Uh, I'm fine. I if I get graded on accuracy, that's fine. I'm sorry you had to watch this, but I love this <laughs> ending because then Thomas Jane's like, no, I'm out of bullets. <laughs> I have to wait for the mist to kill me. And then here comes the military immediately after he murders these old people and his kid. Uh, and he's just like, oh, they're like, hey, we're here. And they're like, open the door. Like, damn, you like killed everybody. You suck. <laughs> Uh, like, why didn't you just wait a little longer? Uh, like, just like a little longer, listen for the tanks and helicopters and everything. That's but literally what happened. It's yeah. like, it's so crazy because it was a religious zealot, right? Oh my God, if they just performed the sacrifice in the grocery store, all of this would have been solved. God, I'm so glad that a character got a horrible ending. It was so satisfying to leave that movie and know it was the worst possible ending for those characters. So congratulations, <laughs> The Mist. I haven't rewatched you since you came out. I'm never going to rewatch you. I don't care if anybody likes this movie. It is pure shit. Yeah, I kind of wish I had not watched it knowing this because, you know, I could have spent it on something that somebody actually I'm, Yeah, you should have watched, like, so yeah. many of these other movies. Well, I wish I should have was, said that. The problem was, like, I just saw it on your list, so I started watching it because it was high on your list. Mm. And then I got a little bit into the movie, and I was like, I'm going to go look at Letterboxd. And I saw you, Aaron had a half star review and said, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. I was like, how are you going to explain this on the show? I was very much looking it's, forward to it. Yeah, that's my spike you did. It. So I, I, I get it now. Um, it's not a very good movie. Like, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. But um, the acting is really bad. Like, I think Thomas Jane is is really bad in the lead role. Like, he's very ham-fisted with everything the andre brower character is just oh. like i don't know what what's going on <laughs> there but it's it's pretty rough i actually like like the first horror sequence where like this this guy like gets stuck under the the door or whatever and like you just see like the tentacle like is like going going ham inside the, the supermarket i like that because you like it's like the fear of the unknown. Like you don't know exactly what is lurking out there in the mist. Well, it turns out it's just a bunch of like pterodactyls and spiders and stuff, which once they reveal that it's like, uh, whatever. Like, I, you know, I don't really care anymore. Um, Cause I also don't care about the people. Yeah. Like I think all the Marcia Gay Harden stuff is like, you know, very basic, like, mm -hmm. Oh, look at what, you know, can happen to somebody who's in this situation. And, you know, they, he, they can use their, powers of evil or whatever to rally people around them their cult of personality and all mm -hmm. this you know interestingly i think uh, a a movie that is out or came out very recently which is knock at the cabin does a lot of these things much better than yes. this movie does. it's a little um, bit better but similar vibes and i felt similarly to be honest. it's not as explicit with the religious stuff which i think mm -hmm. makes it better in some regard but it's obviously there and knock at the yeah, cabin great. but anyway um yeah, and then you get to the ending, and that's the only thing I knew about this movie. I didn't know what happened, but I knew it was like a very controversial ending because it it um, diverted from the book. Uh, you know, that's not how Stephen King's book ends. Um, yeah, it, it it kind of reminds me of like the ending that just they just had in the All Quiet on the Western Front uh, remake that was nominated for Best Picture, like. Of the like, oh, well, he died. And isn't it like, doesn't it suck that he died? Because like the war was going to end like a <laughs> so day close. later. Yeah. Um, like, like 15 minutes later. Not even a yeah. day. Like one minute later. Was he was been yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a really, really dumb way to do the ending of All Quiet Western Front, in my opinion. But anyway, this has the same sort of thing. And it's just like, like, it feels like it is, it has no purpose to it except like, we want you to make you 
to make you feel as horrible and despairing as possible after this is over. I felt uh, validated by that. Yeah. After my experience, it felt validated. Yeah. Um, I don't really even know exactly what it wants me to feel when this is over. So I, I, I can't give you points because you put it on your top 10 best endings list and it's not a good ending. I do understand your logic, but like the ending objectively is bad. So, uh, well, you know, I'm not trying to win here. That's fine. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, who else has seen the best? Uh, no, but I've been the end is have been spoiled and I don't really have any interest in seeing it because of that. <laughs> I just described yeah. it perfectly. <laughs> yeah. I think we're bearing the lead. Aaron, did you say you've never gone up to go to the bathroom in a movie theater? Never. Ever? Not in my entire wow. life. No matter <laughs> what the movie is, I have a bladder of... Sorry. Do you want me to stop talking about my bladder? No. I just... I couldn't let this moment pass. This is the most pissed off I've ever been in a movie theater in my entire <laughs> life. I was so mad at this movie. I will never watch this movie again. It was on best... I hated you for a minute, but now I don't hate you anymore. <laughs> yeah, like, trust me. I just had to get my hate out because I will never probably talk about this movie again. But, but like, yeah, it was it was spoiled for me, too. So, like, I knew, yeah. like, and I've never heard anybody else talk about the movie. Like, oh, yeah, it's still good. Like, you know, there's no other, like, redeeming things. I hear people say, like, I should still watch it. Other, the only thing I hear people talk about. So I, I, I'll probably skip this. Yeah, no, that I have no problem spoiling. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad to help. <laughs> Joseph, yeah, I, I was already spoiled in this ending. I haven't seen the movie itself. This is like probably like in the past like twenty years. One of like the most like famous, famously yeah. spoiled endings. Infamous. I think like yeah. everybody, like nobody's nobody who hasn't seen this doesn't know the ending. I I looked at my brother during this movie without uh, ironically without talking to him just like in the movie at the end and we both like looked at each other and psychically were like should we leave this movie we're both like <laughs> i guess no but we really want to and immediately after we're like that moment when you looked at me you really want to leave right he's like absolutely like i was so close to like it's uh i'm still scarred from it i hate that movie so much okay and on that note uh we're going over to jack jack here's my list <laughs> yeah. Uh my 7 is 1982's The Thing. Yeah. Uh without question one of the most haunting endings I've ever seen. Uh So this movie uh is based in Antarctica where uh at this research outpost uh and they at the very beginning of the movie uh these Norwegians or Swedes or uh, uh, wherever they're from uh, are in a helicopter crashes and uh, uh, they're trying to shoot this dog. They end up shooting one of the Americans, whatever. The dog it ends up going into the camp uh, like like their uh, little outpost and uh, they find out later that it's this creature that can uh, like a lot like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I guess. Uh, Trent, uh, like take over uh your body and just uh and, and it's got a lot of the same themes as that but uh as invasion of the body snatchers but the ending sees uh uh rj mccready uh blow up the entire facility try to uh try to kill the thing and the final scene of the movie is him and childs uh played by keith david uh, 
sitting, just sitting next to each other as the facility around them burns. And they're just sitting there like, what, 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 what should we do? And McCready looks at me, he goes, let's just sit, sit here and, and wait a while. Neither of them knowing if they can trust the other, if either of them has been turned into the thing. Uh, and Neo Morcone's perfect, perfect score kicks in at the end. It never fails to give me chills. Uh, I got to see this movie in the theater last year and it was incredible. And I, yeah, no, I'll, I'll never forget the end of this movie. It it's the perfectly haunting ending. Boom, boom. Uh, yeah, it's great. Um, the the thing is awesome, obviously. Um, and like you said, the ending is great because of the ambiguity of it. I mean, the whole the whole movie, like you are always on edge because even when the thing isn't manifesting, it's like, well, who is the thing? You know, like it's the the mind games that are going on between all of the men there. Um, I also love like the, you know, the blow, the, the sequence of events, like with the blowing up of it and everything. And Kurt Russell has like, I love his delivery of like the last time where he's like the thing, like, you know, roars at him or whatever. He's like, Hey, fuck you too. And like throws the dynamite at it or whatever. Um, it's just like a great, great line read. Great. Like, you know, I'm going to say something before I, you know, do the kill uh, line from a, from an action movie like this. But um, yeah, I mean, again, another sort of unimpeachable classic, you know, movie, but also ending. So I can't really fault you for the choice. Um, everyone else on L thing. Great pick. Uh, I watched this movie for the first time last year, and I've rewatched it twice since then. One time I showed it, one of those times was when I was showing this to my roommates. Uh, before the ending, be uh, the actual explosion, when they blow up the camp, one of my roommates was like, that's a big piece of dynamite. Jeez. Oh, wait a minute. They rigged the whole thing with explosives. That's why. Okay, never mind. Yep. I just I just thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, great pick. No, um, yeah, really good ending. Ambiguity is fun. Not knowing how, you know, try, you know, just thinking about what happened, what could have happened, and, you know, the different things is cool. I'm kind of bummed out. I don't think I have any like that on my list. And I probably should have. I have a few Carpenter I like way more than this one. So it's always kind of kept me from giving it this unabashed like classic of others. That's just my personal feel of it. But the ending, I, I do love uh, for sure. But yeah, uh, I just keep, I, I wouldn't, didn't even consider this one. I would, I have a few other Carpenters I feel much more. I'm just getting back for everybody shitting on Psycho, to be honest with you. Big, uh, uh, big shitting on the of, thing. You, you fucking I didn't yeah. shit on Psycho. Yeah, everybody else is like, it's a little too fun for my Hitchcock. I need my Hitchcock. <laughs> That's definitely not a little less mean. silly. More ropey. So you're you're a big Ghost of Mars fan. Yeah, I love uh, John Carpenter's Vampires, directed Vampires, by John Carpenter's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, great. Please don't no, disrespect rope. Lee Daniels, <laughs> vampires. Um, all right, uh, Jack, you're number six. All right. Uh, going from one of the most haunting endings in film history to one of the most satisfying, we're going to The Truman Show as my nice. number six. Yeah, there's just... There's no ending in... Uh, there, there's no ending in film that has uh, been as satisfying as this one i think uh jim carrey uh 
has been living, uh, like his entire life has been one reality TV show, unbeknownst to him. Uh, and you find the film uh, revolves around him finally figuring everything out. And at the end, when he's on the water, uh, which he's been afraid of ever since uh, his father drowned uh, when he was a child, uh, he's finally making, he's finally had enough and he's uh, conquered his fear. He's on the water uh, and he's just basically yelling, uh, yelling at Kristoff, uh, basically screaming at, uh, at, uh, at God. Uh, he's like, uh, and this, and he, when the storm finally calms down and he comes to the end of the end of the uh well there's a little ocean uh in the studio uh and he walks up the stairs and he open uh, he opens the door Kristoff finally breaks and talks to him and pleads with him does anything he can to get him to stay and then uh uh Jim Carrey has the single most satisfying line delivery uh in my opinion in case i don't see you good afternoon good evening good night takes his final bow and leaves uh it doesn't uh it doesn't bog you down with what uh the with what truman is faced with outside you just know that he's finally taken his stand and he's finally free and able to do what he wants uh what he wants to do be with who he wants uh want, wants to be with and this performance from jim carrey is just fucking phenomenal i love it so i had actually never seen the truman show this is one of my biggest blind spots uh but you gave me an excuse to watch it jack um i did watch it it's a good movie um i am not ready to go five stars with it mainly because i think that um i i guess i wanted a little more about the truman character like i wanted to know a little bit more into his thought process of you know what is he feeling when he is like all of a sudden his world is being turned upside down? He's coming to this realization about what's actually going on. And for me to understand his final choice, like a little bit more, like, you know, obviously it makes sense of, yeah, of course he wants to get out of the simulation, whatever he wants to experience like real life. But I don't know. I kind of just, I, I kind of thought there might be something deeper, like psychologically going on. So I thought the movie could have gone a little bit deeper, but it's a really enjoyable movie. Like I'm not a Jim Carrey fan at all. That's one of the reasons I never saw this movie before, but I do think for the most part, he's really good. You know, there are some times when he goes like, you know, crazy Jim Carrey, like over the top a little bit, but um, I think the situation maybe justifies it. Um, I mean, obviously it's just like a really inventive, you know, sort of concept and world building. And um, Ed Harris is a great sort of villain character. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I totally understand why the movie is like kind of a classic, but I just wanted it to go like a little bit deeper. Maybe on a rewatch, it would it would uh, hit a little bit more for me. But um, yeah, I'm glad I finally watched it. Certainly, everyone else on the Truman Show. Yeah, if you're looking for deep, go with Ed TV, man. That is your uh, okay. that's the deeper one of the. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Truman Show is great. I did love it. I'd be curious if my first watch was like. And when I was like later in life, like I watched that as much younger, but yeah, no, the ending is absolutely iconic. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't, I, I, every time I watch the movie, I can't help but put myself into 
the lead character's kind of state of mind and imagining if that really did happen to me, maybe because I used too much of uh, this pen. But uh, either way, I just think about how crazy that would be to actually have uh, be a result of your own reality and just uh, kind of the greater, just you can look at the ending on so many different levels, I feel, and really get a lot out of it if you just take it at the surface as well. So yeah, great choice, of course. So weird, I actually read the screenplay to this movie before I actually saw the movie. And there's a lot of things that I was very happy to see from the screenplay that really intrigued me about it and then seeing it play out on the screen. And the ending is very great. I had it spoiled to me beforehand. So it was fun seeing it actually unfold. And I can see why it's a lot why it's a lot of people's favorites as well. Um, it's also a movie that I'm not quite ready to go like full out love. I have it I gave it four out of five stars. I just watched it actually for the first time uh, in December. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I do see the hype around it. Uh, I'm not quite there yet, but it's a really well done movie and, and ending. My problem with the Truman Show has always been, in my opinion, Truman is the least interesting thing happening in the movie. To the point where, like, I wish I could just reach in and kind of push him out of the way. Like, no, that guy standing behind you, what's his deal? What's, what's his story of this whole thing? And just that world of, like, creating an entire universe around one person. You know, I want to know more about his wife. I want to know more about his best friend. Like what is their life, their real life? Like what, how did they get into this? That's what fascinates me. So I'm kind of the exact opposite of you, Scott, like where you want more Truman. I want less like he, I'd be happy with him as a background character and the whole movie about him, about just like the, them making this world for him is so much more fascinating to me. So in, you know, context of the ending, I don't feel as connected to it. I'm not that excited about it because like I said, the whole movie, I've been paying uh, attention to a lot of other things besides him. So the conclusion of his, his arc isn't necessarily that important to me. All right, Jack, I believe we already know your five. So uh, let's talk about it now. Yeah. Uh, we have the same five, uh, the graduate talk about uh, just a fan, just an absolutely perfect ending uh, for those of you that have never seen The Graduate, A, what are you doing? Uh, B, go watch this movie. No, uh, this ending is fantastic. Uh, Dustin Hoffman is rushing to this wedding, uh, trying to stop it before uh, this woman that uh, that he loves is getting married. Uh, and uh, he finally, he gets to the church and he sees, uh, and he sees that he's too late and uh, when she sees him there, she stops and uh, run runs over to him. Uh, they fight off the uh, the whole uh, the entire bride's family with uh, with a cross. It's uh, and the groom's family with a cross. It's a lot of uh, it, it's ridiculous, but it's fantastic. And they escape on this bus. And before uh, and normally the can uh, the the movie would end with them both just smiling like, yeah, look at this great uh, thing we did. But it holds for 20 seconds longer than it normally would, 30 seconds longer, however however long it is. And you see the realization come to them of what did what did we just do? Uh, and, it, and it leaves you thinking 
is this going to last? Uh, and it's just one of the most just perfect endings. Uh, the fact that this was, um, what's his fucking name? Uh, Mike Nichols. The fact this was only his second movie is like really impressive and just one of the most, one of my favorite endings ever. Aaron, you also have this at five? Yeah, I mean, it's what what's said, what's been ranked. It's all the, all the samesies, but uh, yeah, it's just, it is just kind of the classic thinking you've gotten everything you wanted and that how immediate the realization can be of, I have everything I want. This isn't what I want or I have everything I want. Now what? Uh, what do we do? Uh, did I ever want this? Was I just af after the chase? It's kind of interesting on my list. I'm realizing I have a lot of earlier movies that were inspired by later movies on my list. This is like the negative version of Girl Shy, to be honest, because Girl Shy is very whimsical and about a guy stopping a wedding. And they kind of go off into the sunset like uh, Jack mentions in here. It's not going off into the sunset. It's like going into, you know, the mist of uh, the marriage, if you will, or the relationship. How terrifying. Hopefully they don't shoot each other and then realize they didn't have to. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's so great. The music uh, is just perfect. Uh, and it's one that you can kind of visit at different transitions in your own life and kind of bring up different things. Um, I've seen it three or four times at different points and I each time been seriously impacted by the ending in kind of different kind of ways. So it's uh, yeah, great ending, great movie. Some would say the lavender haze of their relationship. Sorry, I had to get my Taylor Swift. Oh, there we go. I got Literally. my uh, got my show next next month, May fourteenth. Looking forward to it in Philly. Can't wait. You're actually going? Oh yes, I am. Hell yeah! The I'm beauties going of a yeah, exactly. I'll, I I won't spoil anything for you. Well, I'm going before you, but anyway, oh, you, uh, well, believe you know. me, I already know the full set list. So. I know, uh, so does Abby. <laughs> I don't understand why you guys look up the set list and know every song, and it's like, oh, there's but, no way for me to avoid it in the just, online just, channels. Just don't, that, sorry. That Anyways, anyway, uh, the graduate, yeah, no, yeah, uh, the graduate amazing movie. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely deserve to be talked about tonight. Um, it is an iconic ending. Um, and I was going to say the same thing. It is kind of like a subversion of some of the other ones you had, Aaron, where it's like, oh, well now, but what does this like hopelessly romantic ending, is it actually, what does it actually mean? Mm -hmm. um, the only thing, and I've mentioned this before, the only thing I don't like is the they picked the wrong Simon and Garfunkel song at the end. I wish that they would have played America instead because uh, that's actually my favorite Simon and Garfunkel song. I think the themes match up a little bit more. My problem is when you play Sound of Silence, it's like, Again, you have this sort of ambiguous moment of like, oh, what happens now? And then, you know, Sound of Silence happens. First line is, hello, darkness, my old friend, right? Like that kind of like takes some of the ambiguity out of it or whatever. Like it's like, oh, wow, now so they're they're viewing, we're supposed to view this situation as being like dark. Um, obviously, the Simon and Garfunkel music is like some of the greatest music of all time. And it's used very well throughout the movie. But um, that's well, like my minor, minor yeah. quibble. There's, there's reads the, upon set, I feel like. Sure, that. But, sure. Okay. It's a very sweaty, like, critique to have, but it is it is one that I have. <laughs> but anyway, other than that, yeah, like, it, it portrays the type of moment that you don't really see in other movies when you have this sort of, you know, happy, quote-unquote, happy ending. Um, and so I think it's remained timeless for that reason. Everyone else in The Graduate, uh, Joseph and Kirk, that is. Yeah, I... <clears throat> 
I actually hadn't thought about that perspective with uh, America playing at the ending. I don't know if I can fully see that because I guess Sound of Silence is so culturally ingrained sure, in my mind yeah. with this ending. But uh, but regardless, I still think that it's a fantastic ending. And yeah, you guys talked uh, a lot about it. I, I don't really have much to add to it. It's great, though. Almost yeah, had it got, on my list. Sorry. Yes. You guys have said everything about it. Just the it's, it's almost like it's like the reality of the rom com ending where you know you just hold for like uh, like Jack said, hold for another ten seconds, and is it really as great as everything seems? Um, so yeah, I, it, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, and Jack, finish us with your four for this section. All right, uh, my number four is all that jazz. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite first time watches of last year. Uh, it's been consistently climbing my uh, my favorites, uh, favorite movies, favorite scenes list. It, Roy Scheider would probably be in my top 100 performances at this point. Uh, not probably. He would be. Uh, that being said, uh, this is a perfect ending. For the first two thirds, three quarters of this movie, it's not in any way, shape, or form, a musical. Uh, it's them. Uh, it, it's about them putting on this musical, but they. Uh, but it's not like an actual like musical where they break out into a song and dance outside of the context of that, of uh, them practicing or rehearsing or whatever. Until the final uh, quarter, third, whatever it is of this movie, where Roy Scheider is dying in the hospital uh and he's basically having this fever dream right before he dies of uh musical number bye bye life and uh, like it sets to the musical number bye bye life and this is without question my favorite musical number in film uh roy scheider is just at the top of his game here i can't uh think of the name of the actor who plays the comedian but uh he's really great in this scene as well it's just ben a perfect end. pardon sorry ben vereen yeah yeah, yeah him. uh just the perfect end to this movie uh this entire film uh fossey is uh is showing you exactly uh what kind of a character joe gideon or bob fossey uh is and uh the end is just him uh reconciling uh the fact that i was a really shitty husband i was a really shitty father i was a really shitty person and uh, and deep down i i kind of this i kind of deserve this uh it's just it is the perfect way to end this movie i can't really describe it any other way I, i i just and the cut from him just like kind of gliding down the hallway to him being zipped up in a body bag. It's just the perfect uh, way to end the movie. Just the perfect leaving you cold movie ending. Uh, Then you get the musical number of there's no business like show business leading into the credits. And it's just perfect. All that jazz. I also watched this for the first time last year. Um, yeah, it's an excellent movie. I think most people know I'm slightly more of a cabaret fan when it comes to Fosse, but um, I think this movie is great. I think it has several, it has a few musical numbers that I really like. I also really like the Everything Old is New Again when his daughter and 
wife, I guess, or, or dancing for him. Um, I That's think that is great. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the ending is, you know, Fosse is cooking in this ending. Like it's, it's a straight 10, 11 minutes of, um, you know, the most extravagant musical number and, um, you know, we're, we're laughing about the Titanic earlier ending earlier, but it's like everyone from his past is there and, you know, all the people that he wants to, to give his final wishes to and, and all of that and, you know, say the things that he can't actually say because he's um, actually dying. And then that hard cut to like them zipping up the body bag at the end is like brings you back to reality. And uh, and yeah, I mean, like you said, this this whole movie is Fosse you know, reckoning with his own past and legacy and um, the fact that he's like acknowledging that, you know, he might be, uh, he should probably be dead maybe for, for all the stuff that he's, he's, uh, he's put people through is uh, it's one of the more savage self portraits that has ever been filmed. Um, so definitely a, a really good choice. I would have liked to see Cabaret pop up because I love the ending of Cabaret, but again, personal preference thing. Um, objectively, it's a great ending. Everyone else on All That Jazz. Uh, great pick. It was on my short list, probably my 11 or 12. Um, yeah, like you said, this movie just goes so hard with it. just such a brutal takedown of himself and um, wrapped up pretty succinctly in this musical number here. I've not seen it. Yeah, I didn't see it. And I was not listening. So. ADHD. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, we're back around to Joseph now. Joseph, we're going to go to your number three. Speaking of movies that we saw for the first time last year, uh, my number three is my favorite ending to a movie that I, to a first time, for, to my first time watches of last year. And that's all about Eve. Maybe just, Maybe I'm a little bit biased for this movie because it was the last movie I watched to finish my best picture watching. But even so, that makes this ending all the more satisfying to me personally. So throughout the movie, we see and learn that Eve pulled a fast one on everyone. And now she's at the top of her career. She's won Sarah Siddons Award. Margot tells her to put it where her lack of heart is. And then when she arrives back to her apartment, there's another young and seemingly naive actress wannabe, Phoebe, who treats her like she's her goddess. And she's the one she looks up to the most. And then Addison arrives at the apartment with Eve's award because she forgot it in the taxi. And then I just love, love his face when he sees Phoebe answer the door. He knows what's up with her. He knows what's going to happen. And I'm also kind of smiling with him about the anticipation of what will happen after the movie ends, the events that will follow. We won't see them, but we know what will happen. And it's very satisfying to see. It's also beautiful to see Phoebe put on Eve's garments, see herself pose, her, pose herself in front of the mirrors and holding the Sarah Citizens Award. It's one of the best, my new favorite closing shots to any movie, just seeing her bow in front of the mirrors. And it's one of the most satisfying endings, uh, in my opinion. My number three. Yeah, All About Eve is a fantastic film. Um, we've talked about it and its counterpart from that year, Sunset Boulevard now. Um, but both are fantastic on their own merits, for sure. 
um, yeah, this is a great, like, oh, it's, this is just a cycle, um, ending, you know, and, and now, you know, the next one of these sort of, uh, parasocial relationships is going to happen. And uh, it just kind of speaks to like the fragile egos of these, you know, people that, um, they need to have somebody there, um, you know, telling them how amazing they are. And, you know, they, they as, as long as a person is, you know, complimenting them, praising them, whatever, without reservation, they're not going to look too deeply into it. And so much so that, you know, Eve doesn't even um, notice that it doesn't even recognize that the same thing is happening to her, basically, that she did before to Margot. So, um, yeah, really great way to end this movie. Um, you know, again, it's flashing sort of back and forth a little bit throughout the movie and a great way to tie that all together. Um maybe wouldn't have been number three for me. Um, again, most everyone has had like great endings. So I have to like quibble with the placements a little bit when, when thinking about how to, to gauge this, but um, yeah, it, it's still a, you know, I understand putting it on the list for sure. Um, everyone else on all about Eve. Yeah. Can I just say real quickly, I personally for, if I had to pick a movie, either this or Sunset Boulevard for best picture, I would still pick Sunset Boulevard, but I, think this ending's just a little bit stronger but it's still yeah. they're both still amazing oh yeah for sure yeah Everyone this else? yeah this yeah this movie's fantastic the ending uh i do really like the ending uh while it wasn't on my short list i totally understand it being on your list yeah, no, I, I love this movie as well. Um, really, really solid ending. And I just had to choose my uh, my 1950s. I went with a sunset, but yeah, this would be, this would be a, I'm glad this made it high on your list as well. So I really love this movie. I need to revisit it actually. I've only seen this movie once and it was a while ago. So when Joseph brought up the ending, I was like, I couldn't exactly remember how it ended. But now you described it like, oh yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> sunset Boulevard still should have won. It's a slightly better movie, I think. But yeah, they're both they're both great. Um, all right, Kirk, you're three. Uh, my number three. Let me check and make sure I just have the order right here. Yeah, uh, my number three is Akira Kurosawa's Sanjuro. Uh, Sanjuro is the story of. It's basically it's a sequel to Yojimbo in the fact that it's uh, the same or very similar character. Like the story doesn't carry over at all. Um, but basically, uh, Toshiro Mafini's uh, Yojimbo Sanjuro, man with no name character, uh, comes in. There's a group of young samurai, young naive samurai, and their um, their clan is kind of being like infiltrated from the inside. They're like someone trying to take over, and they're they're loyal to their leader and trying to prevent it. Uh, they stumble across Maffini and he decides he's going to help them out. Uh, and he is like the older grizzled veteran uh, who's like seen, like lived this life and tired of it. And they're the young ones who are very excited and, you know, um, eager for the glory that they think this life's going to bring them. Uh, so they, they kind of follow him around. He's like the den mother. They're like a bunch of lost puppies that are following around the whole movie. And he has to like solve their problems, also keep them out of trouble. Uh, so eventually he does. And, um, you know, they, they, they save the, the clan and the leader and everything. And, um, so um, and he just and as they're like having a celebratory dinner for for the for the clan leader, uh, Buffini kind of sneaks away and he's going to leave because that's just who he is. He's a he's a wanderer. He can't stay still. He can't be like part of a clan. That's 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 not who he is. So the the his his proteges, these young samurai, uh, they go out try to find him. They come across him uh, in a standoff 
with one of the few people left that was the opposition to, to their, to their clan that, um, you know, it was kind of like one of the ringleaders trying to bring them down. And, um, in that what, what Buffini had done is he outsmarted the, the enemy. He hadn't like really necessarily defeated them. He outsmarted them. So this, this, uh, guy feels humiliated and needs revenge. So he wants to have a, you know, a duel with, with Muffini's character. And, you know, Muffini's like, you know what? It's not worth it. Us die. One of us dying over this, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's let, let's just let this go. You should just let this go. The guy's like, no, I need my satisfaction. I'm not gonna be able to live with this humiliation. So he's like, okay, but if you do this, cause by at this point, like I said, the, the young samurai found him, you got to leave them alone. You can't hurt them. You know, Muffini building up, like I might not survive this. So the guy says, fine, that's a deal. Uh, and one of the all time great standoffs in movie history uh, they just they, they 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 both have their their arms in their robes. They slowly bring them out and they stand. It's going to be a good thirty seconds where they just stare at each other. And the guy goes for a sword. Muffini blocks, brings out his sword in a flash, slices the dude right up the middle. Massive blood spray, just ridiculous amount of blood sprays out of his torso, and he goes down. Now, of course, the the young samurai are so impressed by like that was awesome. And Mufidi's horror is like, no, that's terrible. Like this, you know, this guy lost his life for nothing. And um, so he's like, don't follow me. I'll kill you if you follow me. And they turn to rock and they just kind of like, they all like kneel and bow before him in, in you know, in, in reverence of, of everything he's done. And he just looks at him and he says, well, see you around. Turns around. Does the Muffini shoulder roll, walks away, credits roll. Uh, and it's just a great ending uh, of that movie and just just great characterization of that Yojimbo character uh, that I love so much that he plays so well. Um, and like I said, just one of the great all-time sword fights, as short as it was uh, in movie history. Had to take my headphones off. I wanted to watch it because it was high on your list, but um, I've never seen Yojimbo either. So that was two movies that I felt like I was going to have to watch um didn't have time to get them both done also i did watch a movie on your list that we'll talk about that was almost three hours so um that was an evening gone there but anyway um i, but I definitely for, watch for future reference you can watch them out of order like there's no story connection just okay yeah i, I kind of wondered about that um yeah. but i will i will definitely watch it someday because i have seen i think three or four kurosawas now and i love them all so um i'm, I'm gonna complete you know the major films at least before sure. which ones if i may ask high and low rashomon seven samurai i think those are the only ones i've seen but yeah they're all all fantastic um joseph i take it you've seen senjuro i have only once but the ending is definitely the highlight of the movie you can tell you can tell I'll, I'll, without spoiling you can i'll say you can tell who was inspired by that particular moment in the future mm -hmm. anyone else seen sanjuro i've only seen uh, two yeah. kurosawa okay oh. jack you've seen it yeah i've seen three kurosawas and this is one of them uh i watched it while i was in quarantine uh way back when i got COVID the first time uh and this movie's fantastic uh i i will say i was thinking more of the ending of Yojimbo for this list, but this is uh, this is a fantastic choice as well. And yes, you can definitely tell who was inspired by that final scene. Okay, well that's uh, tantalizing enough, I guess, for me. But um, anyway, uh, I'm, I hope I'll be able to tell too. If apparently it's it's obvious, whatever I eventually watch it. Um, Aaron, you're number three. All right. Uh, sorry, the dogs are barking downstairs, but I can't really do anything about it right now. Um, 
My number three uh, is a movie I love. I talked about, I think, at another point on a YLS a few weeks ago or like a month or so ago. It's A Matter of Life and Death, um, 1946, classic. Um, this movie is just kind of perfect uh, start to finish, honestly. Um, it's about a World War II pilot who is supposed to die. It's basically like Final Destination, but like super romantic version from the 1940s and more whimsical. Uh, he was supposed to die in this accident. He doesn't, ends up meeting a World War II, like American radio uh, person, falls in love with her. Um, they weren't supposed to ever meet. Now they fall in love. It leads to a trial at the end. I'll admit I put this on the list a little bit to, you know, garner some favor back from my missed uh, mistake, mistake, uh, if you will. Um, but, you know, Scott knows about uh, trials and law and whatnot. And uh, this is like the trial of a lifetime, if you will. This guy, ha this these two have to defend their love for each other in front of uh, a jury of people made up from people who have died from all time periods and different. And they get to they have three days to create their own legal team of people from all time periods. They get to choose whoever they want to represent them. And then the ultimate way of showing the love uh, for one is by June, played by Kim Hunter, who ironically was blacklisted from Hollywood in the 50s for being a communist. So kind of funny how that all turned out. Um, but uh, yeah, she was also great in A Streetcar Named Desire. Uh, but uh, she has to take his place on the stairway to heaven. And it's on this amazing set. Um, it goes in between black and white and color in a really effective way throughout this movie. Beautiful technicolor. The archers are amazing directors. I almost put the red shoes on this list, which is very, very close to as good of an ending, if not maybe a little better. But uh, I went with this one uh, for pandering reasons in a way, um, you know, but no, it is really great. Uh, it's an amazing, just an amazing kind of speech. And they end up triumphing over everything. It's like nothing's stronger than the law of the universe but on the earth nothing stronger than love it's just like i mean it, it is as saccharine as you can possibly get and uh may offend you know those who you know but no it's great uh, the interstellar that, haters out there maybe yeah, the, yeah 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 the interstellar haters of the world i'm not one of them i just saw interstellar recently and i loved it first time ever it's amazing yeah that is five star feels all the way i've just saw that in theaters it's too bad i hated inception so much um but you know that's for another day uh that's not my number one uh ending by the way <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh this this movie is great i've talked about it a bunch i don't get on a lot of these shows but i'm ready to retire talking about it because i feel like i've done my job and the people who are going to watch it will watch it uh it, just watch the archers in general the red shoes is my other favorite of theirs but yeah this ending is just so sweet and they end up winning the they end up winning the case and it's like really nice because like they're like oh we gave them a nice extended sentence on earth and like the uh, like the prosecuting attorney is like some british asshole and he's just like oh it's a little bit too long but like the americans like yeah but it's you know come on they're a beautiful guy and they're like yeah so this is definitely i'm like showing the two sides here again i'm going back and forth here it's really like a push and pull do i believe in love don't i who knows like you know it's a little bit of both but here we're back on the positive after the graduate side uh yeah great movie and great ending um 
I so I did watch the movie. I'd never seen it before. I actually hadn't seen any um, Powell and Pressburger movies before. So um, I enjoyed it. I thought and hoped that I was going to love it. I didn't quite love it. Um, oh. <laughs> I like the trial, obviously. Um, yeah. Although to be clear, these are not the types of trials that I'm involved in. Um, okay, I thought you know, this was exactly for, what for you someone's were. life and death, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the visually, obviously, it's like, you know, amazing. I, I can't really uh, believe some of the stuff that they were able to do in the 40s when they made this movie. But um, yeah, I so I like the beginning. I mostly like the end. The middle section loses me a bit. The long stuff with the doctor and like, you know, going back and forth, like trying to sort of, you know, diagnose what's going on is a little bit, it's a little bit drawn out for me. I do think it's funny, though, that like he's like, I want the the psychiatrist or whatever the doctor to like represent me or whatever, but he can't because he's not dead. And then he just like gets in a motorcycle accident. He was trying to get the. Oh well, that was convenient. Like now he can represent me (laughs) or whatever. Yeah, no. And and they're like, they're like, they come to him and they're like, okay, he wants you to represent him or whatever. He's like, I was hoping that he would say that or whatever. It's like you were dramatic, like die so you can. It's dramatic. It's supposed. It's theatrical. The trial is really cool. Like the layout of it and everything is cool. Um, I um, I I do think that um, I wish I had been a little more invested in like the the relationship. Like again, I love the idea of like the you know love trying triumphing over all again. Interstellar, one of my favorite movies, but um, I I wish I had been invested in the relationship a little bit more because it does happen so quickly at the start of the movie. Like you know they get together like. They don't even see each other. They're just like communicating on the radio. And I love that setup. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great scene. I love that setup. But then it's like they meet again and then it just like time flashes forward and they're together and they're in love and everything. And it it feels like we're missing a little bit more from their relationship. And Mm -hmm. if the movie, you know, wants us again to to believe in the end of like the all conquering nature of love. I like, I wanted to feel that specific relationship a little bit more deeply, but it's still a great, really original, really unique movie, obviously influenced some movies later, you know, uh, defending your life is one that gets talked about a lot around here. Definitely, uh, definitely influenced by this movie a lot, other movies too. So I would definitely encourage people to check it out. Um, It's a super interesting movie. It does make me want to watch more of um, the archers films. Um, it just wasn't quite exactly everything I wanted, but good movie. Uh, everyone else on Matter of Life and Death. Not seen it. Um, I've seen it, and I want to rewatch it because I know, like most people, reacted the way Aaron did, and I had more of a Scott reaction. Um, so, like, I want to feel what everybody else does for this movie. So, I'll rewatch it. Um, but regardless, no, that trial is a lot of fun. Just bringing back like different personalities from different times and everything is a really good idea. So, um, no, really solid pick. Yeah, I like that they had even like realistic like objections and stuff during the trial. I was like, oh, this is going to be something like really like, mm-hmm. you know, unrealistic. Like it's a, you know, heavenly trial basically right. or whatever. But, um, you know, it, it plays out a lot like a real trial. And yeah, like you said, you have the British guy and like the powdered wig and everything. It's fun. Um, okay, we're over to Jack. Jack, your three. All right. Uh, open my list back up just to make sure. Yeah, okay. So my three is Schindler's List. Uh, yeah, this ending is perfect. Uh, I There are very few movies that are emo- as emotionally devastating as Schindler's List. Uh it's 
an absolutely harrowing depiction of uh, of the Holocaust and uh, and everything that Oscar Schindler did to uh, to save uh, to save uh, all these Jewish people and uh, it's for, starting from a totally selfish reason uh not even trying to actually save them uh he's just trying to make money to actually like care like like caring about these people and doing everything in his power to save them and then the very final scene of this movie is everything that is what came of his actions uh all the people and their descendants uh uh all walking over to schindler's grave and placing a stone uh and placing stones on it just an absolutely beautiful beautiful moment that never fails to uh to bring tears to my eyes it's just it's perfect that it, it couldn't have ended any other way um yeah so of course this was the other film that made my personal list of top 10 endings um I think it's one of the greatest movies ever made, if not the greatest movie ever made. Um, like there's, you know, you use the word perfect. It is perfect. Like, I don't think there's a single thing wrong with this movie. It's one of the most amazing achievements and art I've ever seen. Um, and yes, the ending. Um, I cannot watch it. I, I simply cannot watch it without crying, no matter how many times I've seen it. It just like involuntarily brings it out of me. Um, that like, you know, again, they're coming up over the hill, the black and white. You have, like, the text on the screen about, like, the tree or whatever that they planted for Schindler. And then, like, you know, it says that just that line, it grows there still. And then, like, as it says, it grows there still. We cut to color. We see all the people. I, I had no idea that was going to happen the first time I saw it. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, this is the most powerful thing I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it just goes to show what, you know, a large overarching theme of the movie is the difference that a single person can make a single person can make can can literally create generate like have generations exist because of the actions of basically this one person and the fact that spielberg at the end of like the most horrific depiction of the most horrific moment in human history is able to like give you this hope in the end of like here's what people can do even amidst this dark time um I don't think anyone else could have made this movie. I, you know, I, Spielberg struggled with it for a long time. Of like, was he actually the right person to make this movie? And obviously, he was. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, it. it I, I yeah, it, it leaves me speechless, honestly, because I just think the movie is such a masterpiece in the ending too. So Schindler's List, absolutely. I don't think Aaron's listening, but it's wild that Aaron hasn't watched this, and you got to do it, buddy um all right uh joseph and kirk on schindler's list he uh i've seen almost 10 years ago i saw it back in 2013 with my parents i want to see it again because i feel like in the time since then i would get much more out of it i just haven't yet uh it's made me also think about come and see with also uh, the harrowing depictions of world war ii atrocities i just haven't revisited it in that long kirk 
I disagree. I don't think it's a lot like I, I think there's a big difference between this and come and see. I think this is more um artfully might be a crass word for the subject matter, but I think it's done in, in a way where it's not just the shock value like uh, come and see is a lot of times. That being said, um, no, I love the ending. Um, the, the the black and white ending, you know, the, I could have gotten one more as a movie scene that has yeah. like affected the way I live my life um, and impacted me very deeply. But yeah, the ending of see, actually seeing the people and the reality of it um, is just like, and you, you said like just the way they do it, it grows their steel and then uh, and then they come out, and I was surprised about it too. I wasn't expecting the first time I watched it. So, um, yeah, beautiful, powerful ending. Are you listening again, Aaron? Yeah, uh, yeah. This is my biggest blind spot on my. You got to watch this movie. I know, it's I do. It's, I know it is, and I know I'm gonna. I built it up. I know it's gonna be great. Uh, I'm just like. I don't know why for all like I've watched plenty of movies on this subject matter as well. So it's not like it's like, oh, I just can't for some reason, this specific movie I've waited. I don't know what moment that's for, but I will watch it this year uh, at sure. some point. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, I really don't know what to, I know the famous last line. I don't really know what it means. I purposely avoided learning anything about the movie more than what I know. I will probably be that annoying person after I see it to like recommend it to people. Like I've discovered Schindler's List, like what happened to me like two or three years ago, or probably four years ago now when I saw Harold and Maude for the first time. I didn't see Harold and Maude like 20 years ago or anything. Like, no, I saw it like four years ago and like plenty of people saw it before I did and knew about it. So, uh, but yeah, I just haven't found that right moment yet. Video store challenge list has biggest blind stuff spot on it. That seems like the right time. There you go. But this year, I'll watch it. So there you go. All right. We're back around to Joseph for his two. Oh, we might have lost him. Joseph, you there? Portrait of a Joseph on fire. <laughs> All right. We'll let him uh, maybe refresh. So. Yeah. Well, oh, I, my, okay, I think yeah, you're back. Now. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah we got Am you. I dragging? Okay. Okay. So, your number two. Uh, my number two is "It's a Wonderful Life." This ending is one of the most, if not the most, comforting and positive endings ever to a movie. It hits me hard, no matter what time of year I see it. Seeing George Bailey's dreams and aspirations constantly get pushed to the side because he has other duties to do in life. And then you see his business almost completely fall on him. And Mr. Potter is just reveling in his failures. And then Clarence stops him from killing himself. And then he shows him all the positive impacts he's ever had on everyone around him and his family, among his friends. And seeing all those good deeds just come around and come back to help him. Everyone helps him out out of his financial failures and seeing everyone there supporting George, despite him already re having resigned himself to the fact that he's probably going to jail, but he's just happy because he's going to live his life again. He's now, now he's now seen what he's done and wants his life back. And going there, just expecting to go to jail, but that instead people up show people show up there to be there for him. It's so so moving to me. And then the cherry on the cake is seeing his note, his gift and note from 
Clarence, the book at the end, and his note about friends. It's an amazing ending, and it it's a movie that I love very much. Yeah, I mean, almost an impossible movie to dislike. And, uh, you know, certainly the ending is one that um, endures. And, you know, to my brother, George, the richest man in town, one of the, you know, greatest lines for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, not, not much else to say, but it's, it is, you know, it is one of the most heartwarming endings ever. And, you know, life affirming as well, like one of the the great life affirming movies. And obviously it's right there in the title, but you believe it after this ending. Um, yeah, everything, everybody else on It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, uh, this was a massive blind spot for me my whole life, uh, up until last year when I saw it for the first time and it brought me to tears. Uh, this is a beautiful ending in so many ways, but I, the, the, the one line, like, <laughs> I also there it is. colorized version. I saw the black and white first, but I saw the colorized version as well. Uh, but when he when he bursts uh, when he uh, when he bursts into his house and there's the cops there waiting for him, and he, they're like, "George, we've got this little paper here for you." He was like, "I'll bet it's a warrant for my arrest." Isn't it wonderful? I'm going to jail. Merry Christmas. It's like uh, that's such a great line. Uh, there's there's some just really beautiful moments here when when everyone comes in with the with the money that they raised uh, to help George out uh, uh, to keep him from going to jail and it's just it's one of the most delightful and just uh, beautiful endings in film history and that final line of uh, to my brother George the richest man town it's yeah it is undoubtedly one of the greatest lines ever it's a one it's a wonderful ending i have nothing else to really say i'm out hey um, i watch it with the family every christmas every year every damn time this movie <laughs> it gets me and i used to and it's every year i'm honestly like starting to tear up just thinking about it and everybody talking about it um i I it's like I cry earlier every year. Like it used to be to my brother George that got me. Um, now usually by the you know my lips bleeding, burnt my lips bleeding. What do you know about that? That's usually where uh, uh, the past couple of years that's where it started for me. Um, oh. And just ugly crying too. It's embarrassing. My oh, I want to see this. Um, but uh, but yeah, just when everybody starts pouring in and you see everybody like all those payoffs of everybody's affected when Mr. the look on his face when Mr. Gower walks in, it's just so fantastic. And then when Violet walks in and he mouths Violet Bick, it's so good. Just the look on his face, just seeing all these, all these people come through that he's, that he's impacted. Like just, you know, just the, the, the guy, you know, coming in and tearing up the, 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 the arrest warrant um, is, is so fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, this, this, if I would have done like objectively best, endings uh this would have been my number one uh but i just like i said i want to talk about some other stuff but yeah this is you can't argue against this one all right kirk uh you're up now you're number two yeah um my number two is all the president's men um 
What I love about this ending, you know, the whole story obviously is uh, Woodward and Bernstein, you know, doing the Watergate investigations. And the movie doesn't end with the story breaking. The movie doesn't end with, you know, the uh, Nixon's resignation. Um, it ends basically, you know, with they meet with uh, Jason Robart's editor and he's like, yeah, there's not much riding on this guy. It's just the First Amendment, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the entire country. You know, no pressure. Don't screw it up. And then it cuts to them in the office just typing, typing up the story. And I love the way this shot is framed because it starts in the foreground. There's a TV in the office and they're way back behind it and out of focus. And it's Nixon's, they're watching uh, Nixon's second inauguration. And the focus is all on Nixon, uh, but you hear that typing in the background. And the typing just gets louder and louder and it, and it, and it squeezes in and it slowly fades away from the TV and it just fades the two of them at their desk typing. And I think this is maybe the greatest example of telling a story in a way that only movies can tell a story where just from that image of Nixon, you know, in the foreground to him fading away and just the sound of that typing, you know how this story ends. Like, you know that what they're typing is what's going to take him down and he's going to, you know, that power and significance he has is going to go away. Um, I did rewatch it today and I completely forgot about the fact that they do have that like epilogue where they're typing up the, the, the typing continues and it's actually like they're showing it be, being typed, like the, the results of the, the, the Watergate and, you know, the, the story breaking and uh, the aftermath and the, you know, the, the administration getting taken, uh, taken down. And I, it kind of, that kind of bummed me out. I think if I remember that part, this may have been actually been lower on my list um, because I wish it just ended with that. Like that was enough. Just the, the, the typing and the, the, the sound of Nixon's voice and the, and the music fading away as it just became that typing to them going to work and what their work was, the, the impact that was going to have. Um, but still, I just love it. Like I said, that just movies, that cinema, that's visual storytelling at its best. Yeah. What I love about this ending is you see so many movies like these, you know, true story movies. And I'll use a recent example of another journalism movie. She said that came out last year. And it's like, what is this movie telling us really or showing us that we don't necessarily know about this story already? I think that was one of the problems with that movie in the first place. Like the Harvey Weinstein stuff happened so recently. It feels like we know pretty much all the content of this movie. Whereas with this movie, you know, it gets up to the ending and, and like Kirk's describing, the ending is them typing the story, right? The ending is the part you already know. The ending is the story that you, that, you know, people at this time have read. And, you know, you know, the information that is in there, but the movie is actually, you know, breaking ground and the book was actually breaking ground because it's telling you about the process and how all of um, this information is garnered um, and, you know, the whole investigation, everything. So it is actually telling you the part of the story that people don't know, like the part of the story that um, is something new. And I wish that more, you know, biopics, historical dramas, you know were less of a Wikipedia entry again and more of like, I'm talking about, you know, the, the parts of the story, like the insider stuff that we don't really know necessarily. Um, so I love that. And then, yeah, like you, like you said, Kirk, this is taking something as uncinematic as sitting at a computer and typing, a, or sitting, not a computer, but sitting at a typewriter typing a story um, and making it like, you know, such an arresting image um, there in that newsroom and, you know, with the Nixon's inauguration and everything. And, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's the the hallmark of this investigative journalism procedural type genre uh, and always will be. It's in my top 50 movies of all time. I absolutely love it. And yeah, great choice. Everyone else on All the President's Men? I haven't seen it yet. This is also very high on my list of top 100 favorite films of all time. There are people, there are taxi driver people, there are network people. I'm more of an all the precedents men guy. This is the one that I would have picked to win best picture that year. I love how, how all the characters, like they shown, they're shown as just people. And then they're all tangled up in some way or other with the entire Watergate situation. And then the ending happens and it's very, it's both, I don't want to say it's like haunting, but when it happens, it just hits like how uh, it's hard to describe, but it's, re it's a movie that is a very, it's the most engaging type of history lesson that you can see in a movie. Yeah, no, I haven't seen this one in a while, but I really loved it when I did. I, I wish I could recall the ending a little more standing out, but I mean, it's just all the way out solid film. So. I do need to revisit it at some point, though. All right, Aaron, you're number two. All right, my number two uh, is a movie that uh, the first time I saw it, I think I ended up rewatching it like almost immediately afterwards because of the ending. Um, it's a very, very emotional movie for me. Uh, I'm a very emotional filmmaker um it's kind of the spiritual sequel to chunking express Wong Kar wise fallen angel uh this movie is just an absolute beautiful movie reminds me a lot of after sun which came out this past year just the fleeting of memories and love and connection and just overall how it changes when you look back on it um and just recall things and the use of video and it just reminds me a lot of both but with this movie it's it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's about an assassin and an agent and like a, a deaf mute who's and it. Basically, a lot of Wong Kar movies early on were like about characters who are really conformed, trying to break free. This movie kind of inverse that by being about characters trying to find stability, whether it was emotionally or through a relationship. And the movie ends uh, the 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 agent of the paid assassin ends up possibly being suggested that she orchestrates what gets the assassin, the killer killed. And she had always made a promise that I just work with these people. I have no connection to them. It's just a job, but she had gotten emotionally connected to him. And then it's kind of weighing on her. And um, then also another character, there's a, just a lot of inner, it's hard to explain the plot, but the other character yeah. who makes it to the end, the deaf character, Ho, is uh lost his father recently and uh that's a very sensitive subject for me and uh I lost my dad when i was very very young uh and it's kept, it kept me from watching lion king till i was like 21 years old because that's a movie where the dad dies at the beginning and i as i got from someone who lost their dad at three years old not really interested in that um in this movie there's just like a particular moment at the end where it's just showing like a very normal kind of VHS like video of his dad who was a chef and he's just talking about the steaks that he used to cook. And I'm a huge steak person myself. Um, and I've always had an ability to grill that 
I got from my dad without him ever teaching me. But either way, he's, he's saying, I'm watching my dad made watching my dad cooking steaks made me very happy. I know I'll never taste the steaks again, but I'll never forget how they tasted. And that is just like an incredibly like enriching line that I screwed up by making a joke of an intro there. But in all seriousness, like it really broke me down uh, when I heard it. The music going along to it was by a band called The Flying Pickets called Only You. It's a song I probably listened to a thousand times or more at this point. Um, it's just a beautiful song. And uh, the movie ends with Ho on his motorcycle, uh, seeing the killer's agent just waiting there. And she's talking about how she just wants a moment of connection, feeling some, feeling the warmth of another person, think, knowing, feeling that things are going to be okay for a moment. And this is how everything that included in life is just fleeting. But in that moment, they can find that connection they've been seeking has some amazing cinematography by Christopher Doyle, who Christopher Doyle and Wong Kar Wai are a match made in fucking heaven. Uh, like seriously, it's just, it's very flashy, but with purpose, I really do believe it's just, and the music, the visuals, the, the dialogue, I haven't rewatched this movie, you know, in a little, little over a year, probably. I'm definitely doing a rewatch of this and Chunking Express, but I far uh, prefer this to Chunking Express or any Wong Kar Wai movie, but I suggest all of his movies. I think he's one of the best directors of all time. And this movie, it, it's it's in my top top five of all time. Uh, I love this movie and the ending. Uh, it will always move me to tears. Um, I feel like, uh, like, I don't even know how to describe it, but I feel like a connection to my father when I watch this movie. And uh, I don't know what that really in is about but i think it's just the power of Wong Kar Wai's films all of his films have a huge impact on me but none of them like this one um i'm probably gonna watch it tonight honestly uh i'm just i, I love it and the first time i watched it, i think i watched it three times in one week the first time i saw it like i i've never had an experience with the end of a movie like this um and i just really recommend it to everybody that and chunking express if no other Wong Kar Wai movies those two I would recommend as a pair. Yeah, I've uh, I've seen his like big three. So this movie, Chunking Express and In the Mood for Love, um, mm -hmm. like his three most famous movies. Love all of them. I think I'm with you. I think this one's actually my favorite too of the three. Um, they're again, they're all great, but I just like the story of this one. It packs a lot into like 90 something minutes, like you said, mm -hmm. but um, I think you basically said everything I was going to say about this. Yeah, like I love like the these people live their lives like at such a fast pace in a way that they don't have time for these connections because of, you know, the lifestyle they've chosen, the, you know, pursuits that they have chosen in their life. Um, but they, you know, so, so basically they, they get their solace in those like fleeting moments, like you said, and it can be like eating the steak um you know and and capturing the memory of that and preserving the memory of that even though you know you won't eat the steak again it can be like the motorcycle ride they're taking at the end of the movie um and sure it's not going to be a long-lasting relationship probably it may not last longer than that that night but like it's enough for them in that moment um so yeah he his movies have a way of being very romantic um you know despite not always being romances again this this movie is like kind of a crime story 
Um, but and yeah, I love visually how all of his movies look too, like the slow mo and everything at the end again because they're trying to like slow it down, capture this moment. Um, nobody else makes movies that look look like his, and you know Christopher Doyle obviously is part of that too. But um, highly, highly recommend this movie. It's it's an excellent film. Um, yeah, I guess watch it. Uh, watch Chunking Express first, so you'll know about the pineapples. But other than that, um, you'll be okay if you don't. But yeah, you fine, should watch yeah. them both. They're both great. You'll be fine. Um, anyone else seen Fallen Angels? I have not. I can't get into Wong Kar Wai's style for some reason. It kind of bums me out. I haven't seen this one. Me. He goes kinda... too far against the programming. Cannot come here. <laughs> Error. I don't know. I I'm in. I guess I'm interested in seeing it, but I don't know. I my my expectations are not super high. But I hope this changes. Oh. God, it's a great movie. Um, all right, Jack, your two. All right, my two. I mean, it's the thumbnail for this video. It's Casablanca. Uh, a five. Yeah, yeah. Talk about an absolutely just perfect ending. Uh, so, Casablanca centers around uh, Rick uh, Rick Blaine, who uh, and Ilsa Lund, who have a uh, a storied history together and uh, Ilsa essentially uh, left Rick because she found out that her husband was alive and he didn't know anything about this until she uh, until he meets her again for, uh, since then in, in Casablanca when the, her and her husband Victor Laszlo are uh, trying to escape uh the Nazis that are after them, uh, and trying to get to, uh, tr tr trying to get somewhere safe. Uh, and Rick essentially holds the key to that. Uh, he has, uh, he has the papers that'll get them on the plane to get him out of Casablanca and, uh, to safety and the entire movie, he's made it clear. That's not, uh, that he's not gonna give them those papers. Uh, he's not going to give Victor Laszlo those papers until he, uh, and through the movie, he uh, he realizes that uh, Ilsa, though she does love him and feel for him, she loves Victor Laszlo. And essentially, he's, uh, he, he gives up the opportunity for uh, a future with Ilsa because he knows that deep down she will regret her decision again like he says maybe not today maybe not tomorrow but one day you uh, you will and uh just an absolutely perfect ending where uh where ilsa played perfectly by ingrid bergman and laszlo uh get on the plane they fly away and uh claude rains and uh humphrey bogart walk off into the mist and he says uh i think this is the start of a beautiful friendship which is just the perfect final line for this movie it's it's a perfect ending just if you had this also yes it was my five uh i do want to build on that uh, element that the that rick and rick is trying to convince elsa uh, elsa to go with victor the fact that they had that 
Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman have some of the best chemistry out of any movie couple in a movie, and yet they don't at, end up together by the end of the movie, is still one of the bravest choices I think I've ever seen in a movie. And it's really, it's both heartwarming to me, but also bittersweet to me, seeing how he eventually gets her to go with Victor and Victor will end up fighting more for their resistances. And then I'll never forget the first time I watched this movie. The first time I watched this movie, they go off. And then Louis is like, he's slowly, but he, he doesn't want to fully show his side, but he, but he ends up being very moved by the whole situation. And then Strasser, Strasser arrives and he almost stops the plane from leaving. And then when Rick shoots him, that moment, that moment made me go like, oh, it physically took me back. I was so invested in this movie. I that's that ending is one of the most like it's it the, the tension was perfect in that moment. And it's also even though it's bitter, it has a bittersweet mo- element to it. It's still one of the most satisfying things I've ever seen in any movie. Uh, it's iconic for a reason, and the movie just continues to grow on me as time goes by. Ah, hey. I'll walk myself out. You're waiting all night <laughs> for that one. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, this is my fifth favorite movie of all time, so it's perfect. I mean, you know, you're not going to get me to say anything bad about Casablanca. Um, I, I, it's not on my personal list of endings, actually, just maybe because it seems too obvious. I don't know. Of course, it's not. that doesn't make it a wrong pick. Um, in the slightest there is like one or two scenes in the movie I actually like a little bit more but that doesn't mean that the ending is bad by any stretch of the imagination um yeah as you guys have said it brings everything to a a very satisfying close I um yeah I think the the love triangle element is handled so well and I think Paul Henry also like gives a really good performance maybe underrated probably in the movie because so much of it's about Bogart and uh, Bergman but um you know we need to like that character to some extent too. And I think Victor Laszlo is like a very, you know, admirable character, admirable person, honestly. And, um, you know, uh, kind of a hero in a way. And so um, it stings a little bit less, I guess, when, um, you know, at the end there, you know, he, he's like, you need to go with Victor Laszlo because you love him. He loves you. You get it like you do. Um, and, you know, even though, you have that part of you that wants Rick and Elsa to stay together. Like, you know, that this is probably best for all parties. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you talk about this movie all day. It has everything that you could want in a movie in it. So um, great choice. Uh, Kirk and Aaron Casablanca. No, just kind of a three-star mid movie. Uh, no, I've been I've I've actually been thinking about this past couple of days. Like, what are like the objectively like perfect movies? Yeah. And of course, for me, it's a short list. And Castle Black is definitely on it. Um, this is uh, I again like I mean, it doesn't have a bad scene, and the ending is not my favorite scene, but it's still really solid. And I think again, like I was skipping the iconic ending, so that's why I didn't put it on. Um, but just what a great uh, completion of the character arc for arc for Rick. You know, where he starts out, you know, I stick my neck out for nobody because he doesn't just let her go for her because she loves him. He lets her go because Victor needs her and the world needs Victor. Yeah. And you know, that's that. And, and, and you know, that's that's part. I think, you know, that, uh, 
you know, we talked about the top 100, the the national anthem scene. I think that's the moment he realizes, you know, that He's okay, this, the, yeah, the, the, they, this this ha- you know, he they need to be out there. Um, and so just the fact not only let he, that he lets her go. Um, but that he's willing to suit Strasser, you know, to accept the consequences for that, um, is just such a just a huge change for that character. Um, so yeah, I, I love it. Like I said, there's there's other scenes I love more, um, but still, the whole thing's fantastic. What everybody said, and uh, just like the final shot of the movie, I particularly did love everything leading up to it, and I just love a great final shot to close out a movie, and they chose. The right shot with this movie so everything everybody else says is absolutely spot on too um i saw this movie a year or two ago i, I loved it rick's an amazing character and yeah so great choice by you guys all right it's that time joseph your number one ending of all time and the kubrick's world war one movie paths of glory This movie is a draining movie. It's an emotionally draining movie for me to watch. We see soldiers get wasted in battle, and in reality, they were wasted by their own superiors. Colonel Dax fails to save his clients. They get convicted of cowardice. They walk to their deaths. Their execution walk is one of the most haunting and heartbreaking things I've ever seen. And then we get this scene of an inn full of wild and deafeningly drunk soldiers they're waiting for their entertainment before they have to go back off to the front lines and then they're shown a german woman and then somehow they were loud already but somehow when they see the german woman they grow even louder almost like animals and then the woman starts to sing and that calms and quiets down all the men slowly but surely and then they slowly join in with her, with the tune, with the music that she's singing. There's an also added bittersweet element to this ending when Dax is then told, he's seeing the scene, he's very impacted by it. And then he's told that they have to go back to the front very soon. He wants to give them just a few more minutes. But this moment, it continues to amaze me. It the camera just lingers on several faces of the soldiers as they sober up. Once they hear the woman sing, they slowly become more human. And it's almost unreal to me how these French soldiers, they were being unwieldy just seconds ago. And then they are crying to a tune being sung by a German woman, their enemy. Every, I, I, I've seen this movie a few times, but I've, spaced myself with the time that i see this movie i use it as like a void comp test for myself to see how powerful it is and it still overwhelms me with the amount of compassion that it has for these soldiers these soldiers have a really bad hand right now in the in the war they have to fight for their own lives on the battlefield or at the hands of their own superiors and again they'll end up going back to battle but this moment of them connecting with the German woman who in real life would actually marry Stanley Kubrick and be married to him for over 40 years until he passes away. That moment gives me hope that when they go back to battle, they'll be less eager to kill enemy soldiers 
be less bloodthirsty, and be more eager to arrive at peaceful terms in the war sooner rather than later. I apologize if people think this is like the nth time that I'm talking about this movie and hyping this movie up for them, but there is there is no other scene in any movie that matters more to me than this scene. I try to recommend it to as many people as I can because I think its message is still relevant and very hard-hitting today, over 60 years later, and also because I frankly have not talked to enough people who have seen the movie. So that's my number one ending. All right, yeah. Well, so I watched this movie for the first time, had never seen it. I, you know, I've always on Kubrick, I've been like, I admire so many of his movies, but not a lot of them like emotionally connected with me. Um, I loved Eyes Wide Shut. And then, you know, I watched The Killing um, again, which we talked about already. And I thought that was incredible. I think maybe early, the early stuff is just what does it for me, because I also thought that this was a pretty fantastic movie. Um, And this is uh, a sorry, Aaron, but this is the better trial movie that I watched for the first time. <laughs> I got another one here, but that's um, fine. No, they're both really good, but um, yeah, I, I think this movie's great. Like um, the the whole um, like portrayal of how like how megalomaniacal, honestly, that one guy is. Like it, it it's almost verging on being unrealistic, but. Um, you know, the fact that he's just so villainous, he's like, he's ready to just, you know, um, fire on his own men um, so that they'll get out of the trenches. And, you know, it makes you think about some of the conversations we have nowadays about like masculinity and cowardice and all this stuff. I feel like we probably haven't uh, advanced as much as we would have want, wanted to. Um, but yeah, like you said, it has so much empathy for it. Like, you're never there's never really any question about where Kubrick stands on you know the events of this movie like you know again you have the one guy who's just so like megalomaniacal and then you have Kirk Douglas who I think just represents like everything that's good um and like the the hope that you can have for um you know the future generations and um him in the courtroom stuff is particularly very stirring um and then, yeah, the, you get to this ending. It's a very unexpected ending. Like, I was not really sure where they were going with this, um, you know, because it, it, it is so removed from everything else. Um, but, yeah, it's like this moment of they're recognizing, like, a beauty that they haven't really experienced in anything in their lives for, um, you know, qu- quite a long time because of what they've been experiencing. And that, you know, moment of beauty is coming from somebody who they have um, been, you know, sworn as the enemy, um, the, the Germans. So it's, uh, you know, it's unexpected, but in a in, in multiple ways, it, it really works. And it really I do think it is like in line with the rest of the movie. And, um, you know, again, just a very strong anti-war statement at the end there back in the, the 1950s. Um, it's it's a very powerful movie. It definitely holds up. I definitely recommend people to see it again. It's another short watch, and it honestly flies by. And some of the action scenes, also, I didn't really mention this, but like the the battle scenes in this movie are like incredible. Like mm-hmm. that he's like doing like some one take types type uh, stuff, and like the the warfare we see going on, like it's way ahead of its time, and like the visual department too, which is also something I wasn't expecting. So. Um, glad I finally watched this. It's it earns its reputation for sure. I, I really, really enjoyed it. 
everyone else on Pass the Glory. I haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah, I love this movie. Um, and I'm fine with it being the slightly better trial movie. I don't maybe don't even completely disagree if I didn't have such a heart. Um, but I just can't help it. That hopeless side of me wins out over the graduate side. They battle back and forth for one more day. Sure. But uh yeah, Kubrick Kubrick's a good director, man. He makes some good movies and those tracking shots. Great. Um, yeah, it's a solid ending. I will say that the scene before, uh, I don't remember uh, maybe one or two times I could think of a movie where a movie has made me more furious. Um, I honestly, and maybe it was just my own like dis- what you know wishful, wishful thinking, but the first time I watched it, like there's no way they're going to shoot them. This is, you know, Kirk Douglas is going to fix this. Yeah. And when he, when he does it, I'm just like so incensed um, that again, this is another one where the, the ending, I'm still like processing that last scene before I, you know, so this one doesn't hit me as hard because of how hard I'm hit by what comes before. It's funny you mentioned that the first time I watched this was for a college film course and our instructor was talking to us about the lighting in the scene and that he thought when he saw it that he thought that that there's like a one particular scene where they have like a open window with light shining in with like a darkly lit room the prison cell and he said that the way that he interpreted that scene was like it was supposed to be a hopeful a, a hopeful foreshadowing that they will end up getting shot but then they do end up getting shot and it was mm. shocking could be interesting um, yeah, great movie. Uh, all right, Kirk, you're number one. Okay. Looking back over my list, it's been pretty grim. Um, six of my ten feature a death, and the rest of them, almost all of them, you know, revolve around some kind of, you know, crime or violence. Uh, but my number one is kind of the exact opposite of that. Um, it is Cinema Paradiso. Um, we've been saying it all night, um, but I'm going to definitely say it for this because I want to spoil it. If you've not seen Cinema Paradiso, go watch it. But also check out now because I do not want to spoil this for you because of how great it is. Uh, Paradiso is a story of a young boy in like wartime, post-wartime Italy, um, growing up in this poor Italian village, uh, where you know the center of like the society, the culture for this uh, village is the movie theater. Just this little rinky-dink movie theater they have, and he becomes friends with the um, the projections there. And you know a lot of the movie is him just watching movies, the town watching the movies, reacting the movies, and. Um, the theater is actually owned by the local priest or you know clergy, whoever, and he insists that all the movies be edited. Anything like sexual or you know kissing and like mostly just like very innocent like you know closed mouth stage kissing. Uh, anything as simple as that has to be edited out. And it's like it's like a running gag in the movie that everybody gets mad because they can tell when that stuff's been cut and they want to see it. So the movie goes along. Uh, kid grows up, uh, you know, develops this relationship with with this guy. And he kind of becomes a mentor in his, in his life, and you know, is guiding him, and you know, how, how, you know where he wants to go. Um, there's a fire. Eventually, the um, theater burns down, and the the uh, the projectionist is blind in the process, and you know, he's blind through the rest of the movie. Uh, but still, they continue their their, their friendship and relationship. Um, the the kid develops a love for filmmaking. So the um, his the projectionist friend says, you know, if this is what you want to do, you got to go. Just leave um, here. Never come back. D- disconnect from this. Do not give in to nostalgia. Do not give in to you know the, the, the memories. Um, this place is too small for you. It's going to hold you back. Just go live your life. 
don't rate me. I don't want to hear I, the great line is I don't want to hear. I don't want to talk to you. I want to hear people talk about you. Um, so he leaves and, um, you know, the, the, the whole framing device of the movie is as an adult, he's found out that this man has died. Um, you know, he's, he's middle-aged now and the projectionist has died. So he's going to go back for the first time for his funeral. Goes back to the funeral, processing all these emotions. Uh, at the end, they said, "Well, he left you one thing. The projectionist left you one thing. That's this, this this unmarked canister of film." Uh, so, um, does anybody just you know? So he goes into watch it. He views it, um, puts it on. He's sitting alone in the, in the in the screening room, and the 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 again, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. The uh, film starts to roll. And it's an edited together version of all those like kissing and love scenes that were cut out of the movie, uh, that were cut out through all the movies in the, in the back in the village. So he's just watching like you know a lot of famous scenes, a lot of iconic scenes, but just like people kissing. You know, there's a little bit of like innocent nudity, but like just all these scenes. And the, and the and the film is like scratched up and damaged, but you just see like the love that went into it, and you see the the, the man, the, the the boy now grown, watching this just tears streaming down his face but just like this huge smile as well and um you know you, i feel the same way it, it, exactly how he feels watching it because it's just such a great affirmation of life and just movies if you love move anybody who loves movies cannot help but be touched by this scene and um just you know all that time after like get out of here don't you know forget us you know this one memory of you know their life you know the life they lived and you know the the the, the life the, the, the that life part of life they were denied now being celebrated um just such a beautiful scene one of my i mean again this is there's other scenes i think that are maybe objectively better endings but i think this might be my personal favorite ending of all time so i also watched this for the first time i um had never i had this movie on my watch list for a long time but i just never gotten around to it um so this gave me the impetus so i watched this on paramount plus they actually have the director's cut on there have you ever seen the director's cut kirk oh i think he froze i have yeah so well i'll ask him when he comes back but the director's cut um has about 30 minutes of extra footage at the end and so he okay you're back have you seen it kirk i have not seen the director's cut no okay um so he goes back right and and as you're describing they tell him you know hey you know alfredo left you this this film that he made or left you something and then he just like is hanging out for a while in his town and he goes and finds his the old girlfriend. He goes and finds out that she's living nearby. And there's a whole like 30 minutes of the movie that is them like reconnect. Should have been cut from the movie. Like absolutely should not be in the movie. Um, in my opinion, if I had um, watched the theatrical cut, I'm sure I would have enjoyed it even more. I mean, I definitely still really enjoyed the movie, but um, I don't understand why that was necessary. And also... I think it mutes the ending a little bit because, again, you hear like, oh, he's left this thing for you. And then you just get like 30 minutes of the movie, which don't have anything to do with that. And then we come back to him watching the film at the end. And it's like, oh, right. Yeah, this was the thing. Like, it just takes you out of it in a way that I didn't really care for. The rest of the movie, I think, is great. Um, I really love the first half, like all the friendship, like you know, coming of age, movie making type stuff. Like all that is great. Like I love the scenes of all the people in the theater, like watching the movies and their reactions, you know, the projector goes out and, you know, just the whole, it, it's a very sort of slice of life type thing, but the, the movie theater is like this kind of church for all of them. 
um, quite literally again, because it is run by the priest. But um, the romance, like it is the weaker part of the movie. I still think it's good. But then again, the fact that they, that's what they choose to revisit towards the end, like I think was a bad choice that was made um, in the director's cut. I understand why they cut it out. But um, overall, it's a really great movie. Um, anyone who loves movies is going to enjoy this. Like, you know, it just it really does believe in like the healing power of movies. And obviously that's never more true than in this last scene, even with some of the effect being muted of it. Like it's still really powerful. Like. Again, I knew, like, when he sat down, I knew exactly what the movie was going to be or whatever, but still just seeing it all there is, um, it's definitely more, more effective at the end. That's all I'll say. Sorry, I had to get the dig in there. Had to get the dig in there, but. Um, I you, you froze up. What did you say? What was the dig? Oh, nothing. No, no, nothing. You don't, you don't need to know. You don't need to hear. <laughs> you can watch it back later. <laughs> I was basically just criticizing Babylon, but anyway, um. <laughs> Everyone else on uh, Cinema Paradiso. So, so, like I mentioned, the director's cut is the one that I saw. Mm-hmm. And I saw that it's almost three hours. And I'm like, okay, but there's a lot of great things about it. I've heard about it, so I watch it. And I, despite it being, despite the this version being almost three hours, I still felt like the pacing was really well done. I didn't feel like it was like yeah. a drag or something like that. But yeah, that, that those scenes with, those later scenes when they were at it, I was like, uh. and then later I found out that there's a shorter version. The theatrical edition is the, is two hours. And I'm like, what, why wasn't this the one that I watched? I, yeah, I, I do need to see it because I do, uh, because I feel, I want to see the full experience, but you can't go wrong with Ennio Morricone composing that final theme at the ending. I love that track so much. Yeah, um, this was my four until my hate for the mist overseeded, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Uh, this is an amazing ending. Um, yeah, it's just like it is like that the love for film and like the ode to love and power of film ending there ever has been. And uh, yeah, it's great. It, it is, yeah, Babylon is like the MTV, like caffeine version of it for sure. And I'm fine with that as well, or whatever substances you want to sub in there. Uh, that works for me too. I'm I'm all about Babylon. Robbed for score, worst, worst Oscar snub of my lifetime. I don't care. I, I'm just kidding. I don't pay attention to it. Relax. Um, but uh, yeah, either way, great movie, great pick, uh, Kirk. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. Um, okay, that's everyone. Aaron, uh, we are on to your number one now. I am ready to be on my own island here. I've been spending a lot of time with the basics here. And this is kind of a basic one, but I can, I also know where everybody, I think at least two of the people on this panel will stand on this one. Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. All right. This movie is absolutely great. Uh, it's, it's, it's my favorite Kubrick. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I've seen it at the Air and Space IMAX Museum, like, and it is beyond a trip to see there. Uh, am I going to be able to wrap my head around the ending? No, and that's what I love about it. I don't like knowing everything. That is the beauty of life. That is the beauty of film. That This film can be interpreted in a million ways. No part of it loses me from the very, no part of it at all loses me at all. I love how it kind of has the slasher element with Hal and like how Hal kind of takes over and how he's going to defeat that. And 
just how kind of trying to just realize his, his own demise and you kind of see all of that. And then, I mean, David going through his entire life, the, the entire, uh, the entire score, the trip sequence. I mean, it's just, it's completely mind blowing to me to this day. Uh, it is like the time machine movie I would use to go back and see when it came out, if I had any movie in the world. Um, and it's an ending that like I, every time I watch this movie, I make sure I, my attention span is at an absolute high so that I can be locked in because when you're locked in and you get and and you get into this ending and you don't worry about figuring it out you don't worry like it it just works like no other ending there's so many ways that i've interpreted it for myself and i am just not i don't need to bore anybody with it here but i i love every aspect of it i love the visuals including big baby in space it's certainly an image that's for sure um, five stars feels Six star feels. I, when are they putting this? When are they putting the six star in? I wish I could agree with you on the five star feels. Um, I get it. No, look. I mean, I think I feel similarly to a lot of people on this movie. Which, yes, I think it is an amazing achievement. Um, this is one of the movies I was referring to earlier when I said, you know, Kubrick movies like great achievements, but they don't make me feel anything. I knew it. I knew. I don't was. care. I don't care if the movie's ending doesn't, you know, make sense or is ambiguous or whatever. That is fine. Like, again, Mulholland Drive is one of my favorite movies. But um, <laughs> the problem is, to quote uh, uh, Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive, I don't care in the case of 2001 <laughs> Space Odyssey. <laughs> Um, I need to like actually care and be like, oh, I want to actually sit down and think about this more when the movie is over. And I've only seen this once. Um, and when it was over, I was like, well, I'm glad I watched that. But it's not something that like, you know, I probably will go back to. It's not something that really resonates with me. I know that that's blasphemy and everything I'm no, saying is not. Um, a disgrace like a to cinephiles everywhere uh, that I am not, you know, head over heels for 2001 Space Odyssey. Um, yeah, like again, objectively, it is probably a great pick, but you're on your list sucks and I'm the judge tonight. So, um, it does Not pale in comparison a little bit for me personally to some of the other scenes that we have talked about. Um, everyone else on 2001 Space Odyssey, or at least Joseph and, um, Kirk, cause they've seen it, I believe. I mean... Can you guess <laughs> what I think about this movie? <laughs> I'm afraid I can't agree with you, Scott, but on the same time, I can understand where you're coming from because that's how I felt the first time I watched it. But in the times that I've revisited this movie, I keep getting dazzled by its visuals and its direction and its storytelling. And the ending wormhole scene is one of the most visually stunning things that I love to see in any movie and the music is iconic and Hal is iconic and it's grown over grown with me over the years preach me and Joseph finally agree <laughs> um, the greatest movie I, thank you I, Aaron for picking another Kubrick ending as a number one we have we three. Had that to happen. yeah we've had three on the list I love it um, I am probably more cl much closer to Scott on this. Uh, mm -hmm. Respect the heck out of the movie. Um, total achievement. Um, and there is a lot to think about, but I'm I'm just not. It's not something where 
it's one of those things where it's like, okay, there's something to think about, and I'll just kind of leave it there and let other people think about it. Like, I'm, I'm not... There's nothing that came before in the movie that sparked my interest enough to make me pursue it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, where there's certain movies where I'm like, hmm, let me go back and see what this means. Um, to me, this movie is just happening as it's happening, and it's fine. Um, but I get, I'll give the old Andrew James Barr. I respect it more than I like it. Totally fair. Yeah, and this is, I put in private chat, this is my biggest blind spot. I'll probably end up watching it this year, hopefully. Uh, but yeah haven't seen it yet all right jack take us home with your number one and before you say this i just want to say i'm very happy that i'm the judge tonight so am i yeah so, but you are oh no <laughs> uh yeah so there's a, a few big uh, omissions from this list that likely would be on it if I was putting like my 10 that I want, but there were a couple that I wanted to talk about. Logan probably could have been on this list. Requiem for a Dream probably could have been on this list. I'll tell you what was always going to be on this list. And it's recently overtaken at Return of the King as my favorite uh, scene of all time. This ending is perfect. Uh, Adele, Hanel, and Nomi Merlon are incredible in this film. And I, uh, as uh, the viewer, as you've gone along with uh, with them throughout this film, and you uh, and and you're with Marianne as she's at this uh, at this like opera or uh, orchestra, wh- whatever it is, they don't explicitly say. Uh, but and she sees uh, Eloise from across the balcony, and it's one line that just breaks me after she says I saw her again one more time and then the after 30 more seconds or whatever she says she didn't see me and then the music starts playing and you get a slow zoom in on Adele Hanel's character and you see everything absolutely everything come back to her that she's uh, that we experienced with her over the past two hours this uh, and just the emotion that uh that she evokes in the scene is beautiful i was watching it earlier in the show uh because i didn't have time to get to uh this scene uh earlier and i was fighting off tears this is just this gets closer and closer to being my favorite movie of all time every time i revisit it i've seen it 13 times and i'll probably see it more by the end of this year. Perfect movie, perfect ending. Yeah, so I lied earlier when I said that only two movies from tonight made my personal top 10 because this actually also was in. I mean, it should have been expected because I think this was in like my top 20 when we did top 100 scenes. So um, yeah, I mean, you talk about like a movie that just like builds you up as far as the emotion and then just like, you know, let's it, you let it all out in this scene. Like it is an amazing payoff um, to the simmering um, tension that's been, you know, building up for, throughout the rest of the movie. And um, yeah, Del Hanel, amazing, you know, nonverbal performance in this scene, and you know, the, going through the full range of emotions um, on her on her face, um, and the music, obviously, just like the intensity of it. Like you just like are just like hanging on every single second because you honestly don't know what's like 
what's going to happen. Like, is she going to see her or whatever? I mean, I guess they, they do say in the narration that she doesn't, but, um, you know, you, you could, you could see that, um, the, the relationship obviously was so fleeting for both of them. They have had, they've had to preserve it in their minds in their own way. Um, you know, uh, Naomi Orlant's character has her art and then, um, you know, Adele Hanel, obviously in the memory of this music, you know, she re-experiences the whole relationship right there. Um, and the intensity of that. So, um, yeah, like goosebump inducing scene, um, definitely makes my personal 10, Definitely don't have a problem with it being a number one pick, even though it is a recent movie. So, uh, Joseph or uh, Aaron, you guys want to say anything about this? So, I haven't seen the movie myself, okay. but I've enjoyed the debates and arguings <laughs> that have resulted from this ending. Yeah, I have the poster in my living room. Never seen the movie. No. Yeah, it's a great movie. <laughs> of course I've seen the movie. Uh, love it. Um yeah, it's. Uh, I'm scared of what Kirk is writing. It, it, it inspired me to see Hades Town on uh, Broadway as well when we were making our okay. Broadway decision. Uh, so yeah, uh, just a beautiful ending, very very tragic, and uh, I know Kirk loves it as well. So we can move on. Uh, Kirk, now that the shoe is on the other table, which is turned, <laughs> is is Cody still here? Can Cody come on? <laughs> Cody, are you here? Help me out here. Um, Cody's not here, but trust me, oh. I am on your side. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think I talked about this in scenes. Um, it's awesome in this movie because for the first time, something actually happens um, besides like longing glances and raised eyebrows. Like there's actually some emotion. Um, so, yeah, in that sense, it's great. Um, but they've done nothing up to this point to make me care. So um, doesn't really do much for me. All right. Well, that's how we uh. end it. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll do, do my rankings here in just a sec real quick. I will give you my list. You know, we don't do the correct list anymore, I guess on YLS, but uh, this would have been, this would have been my list. Just so you guys understand the perspective I'm approaching from. I think everybody had a, a really good list tonight. Obviously there's a lot of choices. Um, I had number 10, Blowout, number 9, Cabaret, number 8, The Killing, number 7, Dunkirk, number 6, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, number 5, Phoenix, number 4, Schindler's List, number 3, The Dark Knight, number 2, The Taking of Pelham, 1, 2, 3, the original, and number 1, Before Sunset. Obviously, I knew Kirk wasn't going to have that. But, I, uh, I, 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 almost pandered with the, I almost pandered with the ending of Phoenix, but I decided not to. Yeah, you, you very easily could have. But anyway, those are my top 10 endings. Again, I, you could make a list of 40 or 50 and still not, you know, get through all the amazing ones. So great picks tonight, everyone. Um, as far as the final rankings, look, maybe he had the IMDb list or whatever, but uh, sometimes he's right. Uh, as much as it might uh, pain Cody or whoever to hear me say that. So Jack is the winner tonight. Um, Jack had a really good list. Do we have a graphic for him? Oh, yeah, there it is. Um, yeah, I mean, look, those top three are pretty hard to beat, in my opinion. Um, everything else was good on the list. There's nothing I really disliked. You know, again, even like Bonnie and Clyde and the Usual Suspects, like still great endings, um, even though I don't love the movies. Um, all right, second place is close. As much as I want to uh, mark him down for the ending of the show, I do think Kirk is going to be second. Um Kirk had a great list. Yeah, Cinema Paradiso, oh. great ending. Um, you know, I hadn't seen a couple of movies on there, but he also had The Killing. He had Heat. He had all the presence <laughs> events. So a lot of my favorite movies in there. Um, 
great choices. Um, third place is Joseph. Um, <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Scott. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Um, yeah, Joseph, uh, you gave me two movies. I, I almost wish I put you second just because you gave me two movies that I watched for the first time. Actually, Pass of Glory and Lahaine were the two best movies I watched for the first time for this show. I think they're both awesome and people should go watch them. Um, they're really great. You know, some stuff like I hadn't seen come and see um, All About Eve. I might not have had quite as high. That's probably why you come in lower, but you still had a really good list. Aaron, if it's any consolation to you, you probably have like the best movie taste out of anyone here. I will just, yeah, I'll give sure. you that. Sure, sure. <laughs> but uh, look, you did have a good list. Obviously, I love Fallen Angels, The Graduate, Sunset Boulevard, Saw is a great ending. Uh, but like um, 2001, you know, not. Not for me personally, no. And then the mist, even though I understand your reasoning behind it, um, <laughs> objectively not a very good ending. So, um, yeah, you, you come in fourth, but you still have a good list. Um, all right, that's the show, everyone. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, here's the overall list. Um, Casablanca one. I had to break some ties in there, so that's why Portrait came in at number two. But um, I mean. Just endings, endings aside, like that's a pretty damn good list of movies there, right? Like, come on, um, not too shabby. All right, guys. Well, that's the show. Thanks uh, to everyone for being here and watching. Thanks to Cody for letting me host. This is fun. Um, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Cody will be back hosting, as he said at the start of the show, sports draft. If you want more details on that, go back and watch the start of the show. Um, but otherwise, I wanted to quote the Jim Carrey line or whatever from Truman Show since I just watched it, but I can't remember it off the top of my head or whatever to say goodbye. But anyway, uh, I'll just quote Nomadland and say, see you down the road. Uh, it's been fun. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. Your guilt has been determined. This is merely a sentencing hearing. Now what will it be? Death or exile? better lawyer up, asshole, because I'm not coming back for 30%. I'm coming back for everything. So, Normally, I would say Alvita Zin, but since what Alvita Zin actually means is till I see you again, and since I never wish to see you again, to you, sir, I say good. <laughs>